12.03 p.m. How's everybody doing? It is BK here coming at you from San Diego, California on a Saturday, of course. One more week. Please follow me on Twitter at BK Actual Podcast. And you can follow me on Instagram at BK Actual. Uh, I do have to tell you guys, I don't know what happened to me. I think I caught the double whammy of both like some kind of sickness and an allergy reaction because like I've just been waylaid starting like yesterday. So a lesser man probably would have not even shown up for this. But you guys know how we do it. Two and a half hours every week. Uh, rain or shine, sick or not sick. Unedited, unscripted, and it's coming at you right now. So I really appreciate you guys hanging in with me. I'll try to keep this sniffling and hacking to a minimum, I promise. Uh, just one quick note before I get started with the news. Um, and this was prompted by my man. On Patreon.com, of course, you guys go to Patreon.com, you look for BK Actual, and that's how you can contribute to this podcast, keeping it going. And I had uh, my man, Chance, uh, a shout out to him, made a generous pledge, and I just wanted to point out and reiterate for all you guys, like, hey, I know how it is sometimes, you know, with bills and everything, so if you have to, you know, dial back your pledge at any time, please feel free to do it, like I tell you guys in private messages. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I know how it goes. Some months are better than others. Um, I'd rather you like scale it down than to lose any one patron. All 178 of you, I think, is the count now. So uh, just keep that in mind. And uh, of course, your generosity is awesome. And it uh, keeps me going. It keeps me showing up every week. So shout out to all you guys. Okay, with that being said, let's get into the news, you guys. And I'd start with this week. How about a little men behaving badly? You guys know I've been covering that quite a bit in the past. And let's start with this. Jeffrey Epstein cat has been on the news this week and exactly what's going on. And now he's even in bigger trouble than he already was because now prosecutors saying Epstein has paid $350,000 to possible witnesses against him. Yes, he did wire that money to two people close to him, said federal prosecutors yesterday, Friday. Of course, Epstein is this financier out of New York who now faces sex trafficking charges there and was using the money to try to buy the silence of some of these possible witnesses against him is what prosecutors are alleging. And that is why they were asking him to be denied bail while he awaits trial. So apparently he wired the payments from an account he controlled to the potential witnesses in late November and early December of last year, 2018, and this was shortly after the Miami Herald began publishing that investigative report about a secret deal Epstein had reached with the authorities in Florida to avoid federal prosecutions in 2008. Yeah, that's right. It goes all the way back to then. Uh, so a lawyer for Epstein did not respond to a request for comment. However, they are saying and maintaining that their client has lived a law-abiding life for the past 14 years that he pled guilty more than a decade ago to state prostitution charges in Florida and served 13 months in jail. Now, he was arrested last Saturday. Uh, just FYI, he's 66 years old now. And when his private jet landed in New Jersey after a flight from Paris is when they swooped in and got him, he was charged with sex trafficking and conspiracy in the United States federal court in Manhattan. He has pled not guilty. So this is just is a wild story. And you guys, you can imagine, imagine like I, if I do this podcast every week, right? You guys know I cover heavily the sex things. 
I cover the uh, you know the underage uh, sex romps that people have, and it's just it's just gross. It blows my mind, and it continues to how widespread this actually is. It's so freaking unbelievable to me, like way more widespread than I ever thought possible. And this guy was a huge baller, right? He's worth like half a billion dollars. He had the private jet. And he's got connections. Did you see when they raided his house, they found all kinds of like tapes labeled with like, you know, underage girl with client A and stuff like that. And they think this is like the blackmail trove. The indictment said that between 2002 and 2005, Epstein and his employees paid dozens of underage girls to engage in sex acts with him at his homes in Manhattan and Palm Beach. And further... He's also being accused of encouraging some of his victims to recruit other underage girls for him to abuse. And he would pay these recruiters, if you want to call them that, hundreds of dollars for each girl they brought him. So that way he had a steady supply of new victims. Uh, so right now, I, I don't know if this has been decided yet or not, but Epstein's lawyers are asking a judge to allow him to remain under house arrest in his $56 million Manhattan mansion. Uh, but now the prosecutor is saying because of this, you know, potential wiring of payments that this is witness tampering, the guy has his own private jet, he's got hundreds of millions of dollars, and therefore he is a flight risk. Uh, so if he does get convicted, he faces up to 45 years in prison on sex trafficking and conspiracy charges. And that might provide him with some kind of uh, motive to flee. And yes, he does have this long history of sexually abusing minors. Now, the big thing that it affected the administration, it was in the news quite a bit, because he was you know, very popular in these Manhattan wealthy circles. Famously, Bill Clinton was friends with him. Trump has pictures with him. And... It's pretty wild. Like, he must be some kind of friggin' genius, honestly, because, like, he was a college dropout, and yet he was able to still get, like, a job teaching mathematics at, like, this really nice school. Apparently, he was some kind of, like, math whiz. Not like he didn't have the credential or anything, but he was. He had to have been super smart to make this kind of money. And even if he wasn't super smart, like, on paper, obviously, if you're able to get many, many rich people to give you hundreds of millions of dollars of their money to manage... You have some kind of, uh, you know, you have some kind of personality, like most, a lot of criminals do, like a lot of psychopathic criminals do, and these cult of personality people. So, uh, as far as the, what happened to him over a decade ago, that's, pro that's part of the problem. And look, I, I kind of get it. Like Alex Acosta, the Trump administration official, he is now been forced to step down because of his association with that case and that secret deal that he may have worked. Uh, but, you know, it's tough. Think, you have to think about it from a prosecutor's point of view, and this happens all the time all over America. It's a lot easier to convict somebody and get the trial over with quickly or take a plea deal with some poor guy, right? I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying this is the real world, right? So if you have a guy who's got hundreds of millions of dollars, he can just batter you with lawyers all day and all night. And then it's like you have to weigh, as a prosecutor who's using public funds, do I really want to spend millions and millions of dollars and maybe not even get a conviction on this guy and it's going to drag out for months, if not years, or should I just cut a deal and get rid of it and get it off my plate? That happens, and prosecutors have to make those decisions all the time. 
I'm not saying it's right, but that is the way the world works. I'm just looking to see if there's anything else in this uh, kind of New York Times story. And it's fascinating how he got kind of rehabilitated even after he was like convicted in that state trial in Florida. He still was welcomed back to, with open arms to this high-flying Manhattan society. And it's just good, man, boy, the, 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 the public perception of these crimes has changed so much. This was really not seen as a big deal. I've, I've said it before. He, this kind of thing is just was kind of an accepted way of doing business. And, you know, Epstein never even got a college degree. Again, I want to reiterate that. That's, that's wild. But he, he took to wearing Harvard sweatshirts, even though he didn't go there. And he developed friendships with all these people. Famously, former Harvard president Lawrence Summers, the law professor Alan Dershowitz, who actually helped defend Epstein. And in civil suits, Dershowitz himself is being accused of having sex with two of Epstein's accusers. Uh, for the record, Dershowitz has denied any misconduct, and he actually is saying to the accusers, he's accusing their lawyers of malfeasance. But uh, yeah, this is crazy. It goes straight to the top. And what's up with this island? You know, he is getting they have. He's got this like it's like a rape island. Is what it is. He's got his own private island. You see that weird temple building he has, and then some employee says he's got this huge safe in there which nobody has ever seen the inside of. So you know the feds are going to get a look at that, too. I think this is just the start of something very, very big. And we'll have to see where it goes, because right now it's, this is, this is going to drag out because he's going to fight it. He's got the money, too. So we'll see what happens. Uh, fascinating case. So Trump actually weighed in about this, saying he was not a fan of Jeffrey Epstein, and said he had a falling out with him many years ago. So let's listen to Trump talk about it. Here we go. Jeffrey Epstein, and you watched people yesterday saying that I threw him out of a club. I didn't want anything to do with him. That was many, many years ago. It shows you one thing, that I have good taste, okay? Now, other people, they went all over with him. They went to his island. They went all over the place. He was very well known in Palm Beach. His island, whatever his island was, wherever it is, I was never there. Find out the people that went to the island. But... Jeffrey Epstein was not somebody that I respected. I threw him out. In fact, I think the great James Patterson, who's a member of Mar-a-Lago, made a statement yesterday that many years ago I threw him out. I'm not a fan of Jeffrey Epstein. Okay, yeah, and I kind of, you know, and not to, you know, obviously, I, I don't really see Trump as the kind of guy who would get on somebody else's private jet and go to their place. Like, he's never done that his whole life. He always wanted to be in his own jet, you know, at his golf course. But, hey, you know, whatever happens, however it shakes out, it shakes out. And, you know, it's funny. Trump did predict that the Jeffrey Epstein scandal would uh, ensnare Bill Clinton some years back. I have when he was, on, when he was campaigning. He kind of brought it up briefly. Let's listen to it. Uh, Bill Clinton. Nice guy. Uh, got a lot of problems coming up, in my opinion, with the famous island with Jeffrey Epstein. There it is. A lot of problems with Bill Clinton. So, and he, I did laugh over watching Twitter, and all these self-righteous liberals are like, well, if Bill Clinton is shown to have participated, we good liberals have no problem throwing him to the wolves. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's only because his political usefulness to you was, was last relevant like 20 friggin' years ago. Bill Clinton hasn't been around at all. So stop. 
So that's Epstein, and uh, I I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna follow that one pretty closely, you guys, because I I know there's gonna be some big names coming out with that with that one, and I think there's gonna be a lot more indictments now. Let us continue with the men behaving badly and a guy that I've covered in the past, R. Kelly. Oh, dude, this guy is so effed in the A. I'm telling you, man. Now, he has been, and I've covered it here on this podcast quite a bit, he has been accused of all kinds of sex crimes, but now, now the feds are after him. And two federal indictments unveiled on Friday are going to make all the other shit that happened to him look like small potatoes because these are big ones. And these indictments could put Kelly behind bars for the rest of his life. And yes, these are two separate serious cases. So prosecutors in the Eastern District of New York charged Kelly under an anti-racketeering law. And they are alleging that the singer R. Kelly was the head of a criminal enterprise that systematically abused victims across the country. Now, federal prosecutors in Illinois allege that Kelly, his former manager, and a former employee schemed to cover up extensive video evidence of Kelly sexually abusing young girls and persuaded witnesses in his 2002 child pornography case to lie to the grand jury. You guys remember that trial? That was when Kelly was tried and acquitted of those cases. Remember, his, uh, his full name is Robert Sylvester Kelly. He has continued to strenuously maintain his innocence. But these uh, federal charges, this is a new level. He faces a maximum of 195 years in prison on just that new Illinois indictment, you guys. So he is screwed. And honestly, the feds do not usually bring indictments unless they're pretty sure they're going to win. I, I, I last looked it up a, a while ago, but like the federal conviction rate when they bring an indictment is is in the high is in like the 90s. It's it's uh, it's rare that they would bother to do all this if they don't have a case. Now, he still does face the state charges out of Illinois. Of course, those are four separate indictments in Cook County alleging that he sexually abused four victims, three of whom were underage girls. Over more than a decade, but uh, experts are saying that the state cases will likely be put on hold now that these federal indictments have come down. Wow, dude, he is so fucked. I'm telling you, he's going to go away for a long time. Um, now, interestingly enough, some something called Complex.com, well, actually, they're, well, they're reposting it from TMZ. But TMZ is reporting that uh, investigators have over 20 videotapes of R. Kelly having sex with minors. And TMZ is reporting that it was his own inner circle who got the tapes into the hand of the authorities. <laughs> Dude. Oh, man. R. Kelly. How Does it say how old he is? Did I say how old he was? I can't remember. He's got to be in his, what, 50s? Like, yeah, this is going go to, he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life. I can already see it happening. Crazy. Uh, so keep an eye on R. Kelly and Epstein. Let us turn to speaking of men at the top abusing their power. And I tweeted this one out at BK Actual Podcast. A Nepali court in Kathmandu sentenced a lauded Canadian humanitarian to nine years in prison for raping two young boys last year. You believe this? And this guy, for my Canadian listeners, he was a big deal in Canada. 
this is a case now that they're saying is showing a troubling trend of predatory behavior by aid workers in Nepal. Now, this guy's name, this humanitarian, is Peter Dalglish. And he worked for decades as an advocate for children in, underpoverished, in, in impoverished corners of the world. And he was convicted in June of sexually assaulting two boys aged 12 and 14 last year in a small Nepali village called Kartike. He is 62 years old. He is maintaining his innocence, which is a joke. And international activists following his case said the ruling was just one step in addressing grave accusations of sexual abuse against children in Nepal, where thousands of these NGOs or non-governmental organizations operate with limited oversight. Now, in recent months, this has been coming to a head, and there's been more and more coming out. For example, last year, Oxfam, that's one of Great Britain's biggest charities, acknowledged that in 2011, four workers had been fired and three others had, been, had resigned after an investigation found that senior officials for them had hired prostitutes in Haiti. And a report released last summer by the government of the UK found that sexual abuse of women and girls was endemic in the AIDS sector. And few of the perpetrators are ever held accountable for their crimes. And in Nepal, several foreign men working in charities or as aid workers have been arrested in the last couple of years on suspicion of pedophilia. See, if you want to catch a fish, you go to where the fish are. I'm telling you guys, I, okay, call me jaded, call me a jerk, call me a cynic. I am automatically deeply suspicious of a man who wants to spend his time around children all the time who are not his own. I, I've told you guys that years ago. I've never wavered from it. That's just weird to me, you know? And if you are, that's what these pedophiles, they go to where the fish are, dude. That's why they're always like coaches or they're freaking aid workers, you know? Or they're uh, gynecologists at universities. We've seen a couple of those. Because, you know, the, <laughs> the gynecologist predators creep me out even more because you know those guys went to the university because they didn't want to be, like, touching old vaginas, which a regular gynecologist have to do. No, 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 no. They just wanted that hot USC slash UCLA uh, 21-year-old uh, vagina to molest these guys. That's where they go. They're predators. Now, Dalglish, he's a lawyer from Ontario, and he's an awardee of the Order of Canada. That is one of Canada's highest civilian honors. And he was uh, really well-known. He founded an organization called Street Kids International, and that was later absorbed by the large foundation Save the Children. You guys have probably heard of that one. And he has lived in Nepal on and off since 2002. And so last April... Nearly a dozen police officers swarmed his home, placed a gun to his head, and arrested him under suspicion of repeatedly raping two of the village's boys, including the son of the home's caretaker. Oh, get this. Investigators eventually found a box containing photographs of naked children. God, dude. It never ends. <laughs> it's, it's a bottomless pit. I, 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 sometimes I get at a loss. I know I do it every week. Guys, I am a, I do I do find myself at a loss sometimes. Now, how about an update on a story I've been kind of following because it's pretty interesting. The US Javelin missiles that were found in the Libyan rebel camp. You guys in the last couple podcasts I've covered this. Well, there's been a little bit of an update. 
So these Javelin missiles were actually, contrary to the reporting I gave you last week, were actually sold to France because the original story was they were sold to the UAE and then they somehow ended up in Libyan rebel hands. But now the latest update is no, they actually were sold originally from America to France and those ended up in the hands of rebel fighters loyal to General Khalifa Hifter. And that's the guy I've talked about who's seeking to overthrow the United Nations-backed government in Tripoli. So these missiles, again, were recovered last month by Libyan government forces during a raid on one of those rebel camps. Now, a French military advisor denied this week that the weapons were transferred to General Hifter, which would violate the sales agreement with the United States as well as a UN arms embargo. And furthermore, it also put Washington deeply at odds over Libya policy with France. Of course, France is a staunch NATO partner and ally of the United States and all kinds of spots around the world, including uh, West Africa. So over the past couple days, the State Department did investigate the origins of the missiles, looking at their serial numbers and stuff. And yes, they have concluded they had originally been sold to France, who had agreed to buy up to 260 Javelin missiles from the U.S. in 2010. And that's at a pop, uh, remember, recall, 170 grand each. So that's a, that's a big check. Uh, so, on Tuesday, an advisor to the French Armed Forces Minister did confirm that the Javelin missiles found did belong to French forces, but he claimed that they were damaged and no longer usable. And according to the New York Times, he said the missiles were being temporarily stored in a warehouse awaiting destruction and were not transferred to local forces. Okay, so did somebody, like, walk into the warehouse? You got a thief? Hmm. And he did confirm that the weapons were among those that were bought in that 2010 deal. So, uh, but yeah, we still don't know how the weapons ended up in this rebel compound near the front lines of that ongoing battle, civil war, whatever you want to call it, in Libya. You know, that's led to over a thousand deaths since just April, including 106 civilians. And French Special Forces do have troops uh, deployed to Libya. You guys remember we had those three three guys killed in uh, 2016 from France. So very, very curious. Oh, here's an, yeah, here's where I'm saying, uh, in the New York Times story, it does say, markings on the missiles ship, shipping containers at first appeared to indicate they were originally sold to the UAE. Uh, but the Emirati government did say they denied providing the general's forces with the missiles, even though they do back... General Hifter. Uh, so, you know, again, they're all bad. <laughs> they're, they're all bad, you guys. So that's that. Let's turn to Mexico. Uh, Mexico's finance minister resigned on Tuesday with a scathing letter that accused President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, or AMLO, and his administration of capricious decision-making and conflicts of interest. And this is a surprise move, and this is not seen as uh, expected at all. This is Minister Carlos Yerzua, and he was widely seen as part of, like, the inner circle, you know, the cabinet. And he was seen as the kind of the guy who would keep a check on AMLO because AMLO is the typical, you know, 
leftist and he wants to spend lots of money. And this guy was there and he was seen as like by the international community as the guy who was going to kind of rein AMLO in, you know, because foreign investors don't like the guy who's going to spend, you know, all their in investment money on social programs. Uh, so in his resignation letter, which he posted on Twitter, he wrote that there were many discrepancies in economic policy and he accused the administration of placing officials with no knowledge of finance in the ministry. <laughs> well, of course. Who needs to know stuff like that? Who needs to know how to add? It's all about, it's the same as here. It's all about who you know. Who's your buddy? Um, and he said there's lots of conflicts of interest. Uh, Lopez Obrador appointed a guy to take his place, and he lashed out at his former minister. He said, we are committed to changing the economic policy that has been imposed on us for 36 years. And the suggestion that people close to the president are corrupt could prove especially damaging to AMLO because he won a landslide victory a year ago on the promise to sweep away Mexico's entrenched corruption, which is widely known throughout the country and throughout the world. Now, Urzua... He has a doctorate in economics from the University of Wisconsin, so a little bit of his credentials. And he spent months meeting with investors, foreign investors, who were wary of AMLO's populist rhetoric to persuade them that the new government would actually keep tight control over these finances. So obviously, if that's the only guy reassuring the investors and he quits, that's going to be big, big red flag. Now, AMLO has said Mexico will not increase the debt. Instead, he has said that his administration would be able to pay for ambitious social programs with savings earned from rooting out corruption, right? Uh, so several of what AMLO's doing has raised concerns among these foreign investors. For example, he canceled a New Mexico City airport a third of the way through its construction and then spent billions of dollars repaying the bondholders who financed that construction. And he has halted the opening of Mexico's energy industry to private investment in favor of government spending on Mexico's oil and electric companies. Uh, plus, he has expensive plans to build a new oil refinery and a train through the Yucatan Peninsula. <laughs> what is the obsession with trains with leftists? It's not fucking viable in this time. The time of the train has passed. Jesus. What is this fascination with leftists and trains? Somebody explain that to me. It's not going to happen. Nobody wants to be on a train. They don't go where you need them to go, and they're too slow. And there's and you have to be stuck in there with a bunch of people. It's ludicrous to me. It works in a very select, uh, small amount of places. Large cities that have had the infrastructure or built their infrastructure up around the train route, like New York City. But through the Yucatan Peninsula, are you serious? It's like, isn't that like jungle? Like what? I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Him and Jerry Brown, Amlo and Jerry Brown, they could get together and talk about choo-choo trains. The future is going to be self-driving autonomous flying pods. Okay, there. I've said it. Okay, that's it. Okay. <laughs> what else? Um, in Sydney, Australia. Let's, well, it's not in Sydney, Australia. Out of Sydney, Australia comes a story out of, about Papua New Guinea. Guys, who else is going to give you the Papua New Guinea news? Nobody. Listen to this. At least 20 people, including pregnant women and children, were killed in an ambush 
and retaliatory massacre by villagers in Papua New Guinea, according to news reports and a police spokesman there. Now, this fighting began when six people were set upon and killed while returning from a ceremony on Saturday in the country's central highlands. And then relatives of the dead retaliated against them. So there's obviously conflicting accounts here on a total number of victims because these people are like from rival communities or tribes or some shit. But a police spokesman did tell the New York Times that 16 women and children, including two pregnant women, were killed in a revenge attack. And that includes eight children and eight women. Wow. Uh, it's kind of unclear when exactly this happened. Some people say Sunday night. Some people said Monday night. And the governor of the province there said the attacks had escalated into the massacre of innocent women and children. And a police inspector quoted, said this massacre represented a new turn in communal violence. He said, this is not a tribal fight where opposing villagers face each other on a field. This is a fight in guerrilla warfare, meaning they play hide-and-seek and ambush their enemies. Now, violence between these communities has been documented for decades in Papua New Guinea. But it has surged in recent years over the region where the latest attacks occurred amid tensions over politics and developing gas fields. Now, in case you didn't know, Papua New Guinea, which is north of Australia and shares a border with Indonesia, is known for its incredible environmental and cultural diversity. They have hundreds of different ethnic groups there, and most of the population works in agriculture. It is a poor nation. While the nation's economy is growing, about 37% of the population lives under the national po poverty line, and the country does receive significant amounts of aid from Australia, from which they gained independence in 1975, yeah, it used to be a colony. So uh, one guy, they quoted a health worker who said he hid out in the bush and he returned to see dismembered bodies. Ugh. And the attack lasted about 30 minutes. Hmm. Yeah, so bad vibes down in Papua New Guinea, man. Okay, how about some international politics? This guy, the British ambassador to the United States, Kim Darrock, I'm going to pronounce it that way. D-A-R-R-O-C-H. Deroch. He resigned on Wednesday. And that was after the leak of his candid observations on the Trump administration, which, which remember, Trump responded to. He did submit his resignation in a letter after Trump said the White House would no longer deal with him. And this is following the leak of confidential emails written by the ambassador that described the Trump administration as, quote, Clumsy and inept, end quote. The president then described the ambassador as wacky, a very stupid guy, a pompous fool, and called Prime Minister Theresa May foolish for ignoring his advice on Brexit. Now, this dispute has now cast a shadow between London and Washington, D.C., and it's kind of a big deal over there because right now, there's a leadership contest to see who is going to succeed Theresa May as prime minister. Remember, she's stepping down. And that is where Boris Johnson is heavily favored to win. Uh, so Boris Johnson, for his part, said, I'm not going to say whether or not I'll keep this guy in his post. And he declined to criticize President Trump 
And within hours, the ambassador had submitted his resignation. That's funny. And now everybody's uh, pissed off because the UK police are launching a uh, espionage, counter-espionage investigation, wondering how, because these are diplomatic cables. These are very sensitive, you know, they're not supposed to leak. Remember the WikiLeaks? We got a hold of our State Department cables. Well, these are sensitive diplomatic documents. So now the UK police are launching an investigation and everybody's pissed off because the UK police said uh, they don't want reporters to share any of the contents. And the reporter's like, well, you know, that's the line. That's that gray line. It's very tough. Like, when does espionage end and when does reporting begin? You know, a la Snowden, right? It's a tough line. It's not always clear. Um, oh, yeah, here it is. In 2010, they, they mentioned that in this story. The publication of the WikiLeaks trove of 250,000 diplomatic cables from the United States caused a lot of embarrassment, and that resulted in the resignation of the U.S. ambassador to Mexico. I don't remember that. Interesting. So the British diplomats are left shocked and appalled. And, uh, well, that's what you get. How about this name that came up in continuing our international news? Uh, you remember, this was a couple months ago, and I talked about Brazil and the mining giant Vale, V-A-L-E, that was down there. Remember, they had a bunch of uh, dam collapses, and a lot of people died. And now a state judge in Brazil has ruled that the mining giant Vale is financially liable for damages caused when a dam breached a mining site in January. Yeah, that's what it was. And it, that, that, that breach killed at least 247 people. Uh, now, the judge did not specify yet how much the company would have to pay. But because they said it's not possible yet to determine the extent of this harm when a giant wave of toxic waste escaped the breach in that mining site and buried just all those hundreds of people, including the mine's employees, on January 25th. And so, obviously, the damages are not limited to the deaths that resulted from the event because it also affects the environment locally and regionally, as well as the economic activity of surrounding communities. Now, this is a big deal because the ruling was the first decision by a court to formally hold the company responsible for the disaster. And Vale now faces multiple criminal and civil investigations related to the dam breach that are expected to last years. This might bankrupt the entire company. Vale is that Brazilian company whose safety practices had come under scrutiny because this wasn't the first time. They had another dam breach in 2015 in the village of Bento Rodriguez, which killed 19 people. And... That dam was operated by Samarco, which is a venture between Vale and the mining company BHP. And so they're also undergoing a lawsuit on that. Now, this incident, the last one, sparked a review of dozens of similar dams in Brazil, which were designed to store toxic waste from mining operations. And several of these dams have now been found to be at risk of breaching, putting thousands of people at potential risk. Oh, the judge did decide that about $2.8 billion in Vail assets should remain frozen. Those assets were frozen earlier this year while they looked into Vail's culpability in this disaster. And now the company is out with its own numbers. The company projects that it will lose an estimated $4.8 billion from the disaster. Whew. Big chunk. 
even for a multinational corporation. Okay, for my Australian listeners, here's one for you. Um, you know the that big remote sandstone monolith out in Australia, the famous rock? It's known as Uluru. Yeah, you guys have all seen it in pictures, right? The fucking just big-ass monolith of a rock. Well, tourists are flocking there because as of October 26th, they will be prohibited from scaling the rock, which is 1,141 feet tall. And that ban is in part to prevent environmental damage to the monolith, which sits inside a national park that is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. But the problem is the rush of visitors in this time remaining is putting a new strain on the park. And they've got uh, reports of illegal camping, trespassing, trash dumping, all this. All to get a selfie, right? Now, the Luru, that's like the, I believe that's the Indige name for the rock. I think the Australian name was Ayers Rock. And that is a sacred site for the indigenous Anangu people. So in 2017, they decided to ban climbing the mountain for two years. And there was also concerns about safety because um, they did they have had more than 30 deaths recorded on this rock, which has a basically a big, steep climb. Now, you can still walk around the base, and in recent decades, the number of, a number of actual climbers have declined. But now, just because this, uh, the, the end is in sight, that's where everybody is flocking to it now. You got to get that Instagram selfie. Come on. I know how it is. Got to do it. Turn to Greece. At least seven people died and more than 100 were injured after intense thunderstorms hit northern Greece. Man, seven people dying from a storm. That's like, that's a lot. Uh, where did this happen? This is, the area is known as, oh man, this word is tough. Halkidiki. Halkidiki. It's a peninsula with sandy beaches that is popular with tourists. And the storms had been so severe that a kind of tornado had developed. And you can see the pictures. The devastation is insane. Six of those who died were foreign nationals. Uh, apparently, 10 p.m. Wednesday, residents and vacationers were forced to seek cover when a strong wind began blowing across the region. And this sudden change came as a surprise to many because up until then, they'd had several days of a row of clear, hot weather. Uh, some of the people who died, an older Czech couple died when the wind blew away their camping trailer. And a 54-year-old Romanian woman and her 8-year-old son were killed on the beach after the roof of a nearby tavern collapsed. Oh, drag, dude. Oh, and a Russian man and his two-year-old son died after a tree collapsed near the four-star hotel in which they were staying. Oh, dude, talk about wrong place at the wrong time. When something, like, falls on you, I've done a few of those stories in the past. Shit, man. That's bad. Okay, and speaking of being, <laughs> talk about the one in a million strike. I was positive that this was fake news, and many of you guys did send this to me. But no, only real news here, and this was real news. And this is the British woman who was impaled by a metal straw after falling at her house. <laughs> this is wild. So this 60-year-old woman named Elena Struthers Gardner, she did have some kind of disability, doesn't say what kind. She fell and sustained a traumatic brain injury in November when the 10-inch straw pierced her eye, according to the coroner's report. 
So you guys know this is the stainless steel straw. They don't bend. You know, they're, they're very like rigid. And it was in a glass cup she was carrying. It's like the, it's, it's, she was carrying something like similar to a mason jar to give you a visual. And, but they have like a lid, I guess, where the straw can, you know, be poked through the lid. And so she falls and fucking impales her eyeball on this straw, goes right into her brain and she dies. And she didn't even die right away. She was taken to the hospital and she died the next day. Uh, oh, okay. Here's here's some of the part about her disability. Um, she used to be a former jockey, like you know, horses, and was prone to falls after a horseback riding injury when she was 21. Uh, she had scoliosis. Uh, oh, here we go. And had dealt with substance abuse issues. Okay. Well, what she what was she sipping? Was she drunk and tripped over herself? I'm telling you. Guys, got to be careful. Now, I'm the straw thing has gotten way too crazy. You guys know in California they ban straws unless you. A lot of places don't even have them now. And if you have not had a paper straw yet, which we've had out here, they're awful. They get very soggy. It's a weird taste, and they don't taste good. So now a lot of people are actually like buying these metal straws. But I'm telling you, these things, man. Look what happened. To this lady <laughs> went right, right through her eyeball into her brain, dude. So you better be careful. Just one more thing that could go wrong. Okay, what else? Well, sadly, this was breaking as of this morning. And I don't have a lot of detail, but an American service member was killed in action in Afghanistan today, Saturday, said NATO. And the brief announcement has not yet provided a name or other details, obviously in accordance with the Pentagon's policy of withholding information until the next of kin is notified. So, just for you keeping track, the death brought the number of American troops killed in Afghanistan to 2,430 deaths since the Afghanistan war began in 2001. So far this year, it's 10. 10 American deaths in Afghanistan. God, what's the, for what? I, it, I've never seen an issue where so many people were so united on how stupid this is. You guys probably saw floating around on social media, they had a poll. I don't have the story in front of me, but there was a poll where it said the majority of troops who served in Afghanistan and Iraq looked at it as a giant waste of time. And I'm like, okay, so every soldier who was there thinks it's a waste of time. Every politician is constantly screaming about it. So how come nothing gets done? How come nothing gets done as far as shutting it down? You can't find one person running for president who wants to stay in Afghanistan. So why are we still there? What is the fucking holdup? I don't know. Now, about 14,000 American troops are still in Afghanistan, with about half providing training and support for Afghan security forces and half engaged in counterterrorism operations. The number of American troops in Afghanistan actually peaked in 2011 at 100,000. So it's a good start, but what's, what's the point? What's the end goal? What is the mission? Remember, was this even discussed at the two nights of the Democratic debate last time? Did anybody even mention Afghanistan? I don't believe they did. I could be wrong on that. I'm just going off memory. It just struck me just now. Okay, a uh, quick update for um, the hurricane, Hurricane Barry, that's about to hit the Louisiana coast. And shout out to my great, awesome 
older female listener, Terry, who assured me she wasn't leaving. She said, I'm staying. This is nothing. Huh. We're going to play cards and have a good time. So I'm like, all right, you know what you're doing. You know, if it's me, I, I mean, I'm out of there, but I'm a city guy. You know, I'm like, I'm not built hardy like these country people. You know, I mean, if Uber Eats is not working, then I'm, you know, I'm shutting down the whole thing. Uh, but yes, Hurricane Barry has been upgraded to a Category 1 hurricane, and it has strengthened slightly with maximum sustained wind speeds at 75 miles an hour. But the wind is not the big deal. The big deal with this one is the rain. And they do predict possible rains up to 25 inches in parts of southern Louisiana and coastal Mississippi. And they do have some mandatory evacuation orders in the area, including communities along the coast. Uh, some of the parishes include uh, parts of uh, Jefferson and Plaquemie Parish. Probably butchering that one. And as of 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time Saturday, more than 71,000 people were without power in Louisiana, according to the state's largest energy company. Um, so they did say that Barry, Hurricane Barry, would run ashore near Morgan City. But now the latest reports indicate that the storm has shifted and it's going to push a little bit further out west, uh, which one of the forecasters says that's actually worse. So as dawn broke in Morgan City, there were scattered scenes of broken trees and other minor damage, but no reports of injuries or deaths. So that's, that's good. Uh, so, so far, the torrential downpours that they're really afraid of have not arrived. So keep your fingers crossed on that one. Now, they did have one of the levees uh, spilled over onto Highway 23 in a parish south of New Orleans. So that's not good. So that's going to block the road. And in New Orleans, residents are waiting to see whether their complex pump and levee protection system, you guys remember that from uh, Hurricane uh, Katrina, would hold in the storm. Remember that New Orleans is largely below sea level. So it relies on dozens of massive drainage pumps to flush water out of its streets. But these aging pumps are vulnerable to breakdowns and power losses. And spring flooding has pushed the river higher over the last several months near the top of the levees. All right. Keep an eye. Stay brave. Stay safe out there. I don't know. I wouldn't chance it. Just drive north for a few hours. I don't know. Okay, let's turn to California. Yes, my beloved state. And yes, it is true. Democratic California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a state budget bill into law Tuesday that extends health care coverage to illegal immigrants through Medicaid, making the state the first in America to do so. Isn't that, isn't that great, you guys? Aren't you glad you go to work every day to pay for your $700 monthly health insurance bill? But they get it for free. There's no co-payments. There ain't shit. It's unbelievable. Now, the state budget says they cover 90,000 undocumented immigrants from the ages of 19 to 25 and, and will cost California taxpayers approximately $98 million in the coming fiscal year. <laughs> That's, doesn't that seem like a, a $98 million for 90,000 people? So a million bucks a piece? How, for a 19, how much health care does a 19 to 25-year-old make? I know, guys. I only ask the stupid questions because I'm so dumb. But nobody else in the media seems to bother pointing out how ridiculous that is. That's a million bucks per person. 
and and they're in their they're they're 19 to 25 how much freaking health care do they use you know what you get a broken arm how much does that possibly cost? Our, our whole system is stupid i'm not gonna don't get me started i'm not gonna go into the whole thing again anyway they say 98 million dollars you know that number is sure to balloon as will the number of people covered it starts with 90,000 gavin newsom has come around and said it he said we want to cover everybody all the illegal aliens for as much health care as they want, and that's what he believes. And people keep voting for him. Everybody's asleep out here. Nobody cares. Uh, this law that Gavin Newsom, uh, with his budget bill, creates an individual mandate similar to the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, of course, that President Barack Obama championed, and it required all Californians to purchase health insurance, and the state will pose impose a fine on any individual who fails to purchase health care. Oh, what an idiot. Prior to the bill signing into law, Gavin Newsom addressed the California media saying, to my friends at Fox News, I know we're keeping you in business. What is that? Well, look at me. Look at how progressive I am as the state slides into bankruptcy. He didn't do anything about the pensions. You know, we owe hundreds of billions of dollars in pensions to retirees, and we don't have the money for it. Nobody ever talks about it, even. It's crazy. Now, the nonpartisan legislative analyst office in California did warn that the individual mandate imposed on Californians would increase the price of Medicaid. And they claim if Californians signed up for health insurance, avoiding the penalty fine, the state would have less money to fund certain programs. All right. Well, we'll see who's right. Just remember, you guys, the two numbers that he signed, 90,000 individuals at a cost of $98 million. Let's freaking revisit those numbers uh, two years from now. Just remember I said it, and remember I said both of those numbers were going to increase dramatically, and you know I'm right because I'm always right. That's the way it is. You think I take pleasure in being right all the time? I don't. I don't because it's always bad. The only thing I'm good at predicting is silly shit that progressives will do, okay? When it comes to that, I'm like spot on 100% of the time. You guys know it. I know it. And continuing with California, dude, this is, this is hard to believe. Los Angeles Police Chief Michael Moore. They could be Mitchell Moore. M-I-C-H-E-L. Yeah, we'll call you Mitchell. You don't even get Michael. He said he's working to eliminate thousands of homeless people's old warrants for minor offenses. Isn't that nice? <laughs> Is he forgiving your old warrant? Homelessness rose, of course, documented here, 16% in Los Angeles over the past year. That number is surely an undercount. They say 36,000 people. You know it's going to be more than that. And... What he wants to do is eliminate these so-called bench warrants more than five years old for minor offenses such as drinking in public, blocking a sidewalk, and failure to appear in court. Once again, there's no consequences if you're a protected class. Don't you drink in public. You, the taxpayer, you don't get fucking a break. But the smelly vagrant who pitches his tent in front of your house that you can't call and have removed, he gets a break. His plan calls for dismissing these warrants that can rack up hundreds of dollars in fees and often plague homeless people who can't pay or show up for court. Uh, he says they have hundreds of thousands of bench warrants that haven't been served in years. Okay, well, here's just an idea. What if, what if you did the opposite? 
What if you started rounding up people of all these bench warrants and throwing them in jail? Do you think the message would go out and they'd maybe like move along? Probably. Or what do you think is going to happen when you dismiss it? Do you think that will lead to an increase in homeless people or a decrease? Which one do you think, you fucking rocket science? Mitchell. Hmm. And they want to hire many more outreach workers, blah, 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 blah. Oh, God. I don't know. I, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Uh, quickly, back to international news. There are at least 26 people dead at a hotel in Somalia. And this is the death toll from a car bomb and a gun attack. And yes, it is up to 26 people so far. A former politician and two prominent Somali journalists were among the dead. Uh, one of the journalists was identified as a Canadian Somali who was hired as a uh, lauded as a hero and an inspiration as fellow Somalis. Well, yeah, well, that didn't do him any good. And then three Kenyans, two Tanzanians, two Americans, and a Briton also died in Friday's attack. And this took place in the Juba land region. Um, the southern port city of Kismayo is home to the Asasi Hotel, which is popular with politicians and Somali expats. Now, of course, this is being blamed, and, well, they're taking credit, the Shabab, that's the Islamic rebel group with links to Al-Qaeda. Now, that group has killed thousands across East Africa, and it seeks to overthrow Somalia's Western-backed government, and has accused Somali's president, Mohammed Abdullahi Mohammed, of being an apostate and an American puppet. Now, the attack began last night, Friday evening, where at least four Al-Shabaab militants stormed the hotel. And over the next 14 hours, government troops basically sieged the compound. And they say they killed some of the attackers. They don't say they killed all of them, though. Now, it did end this morning, Saturday morning, uh, after that all-night siege. And... In addition to the 28 dead, they also had 56 people injured. Wow. <laughs> Somalia, that's another never-ending clusterfuck right there. Um, now, the journalist was a female. Her name was uh, Hodan Naleye. She looks very Western, like light-skinned. I wonder if she's mixed of some kind. She says she was born in Somalia, but spent much of her life in Canada. She had recently returned to live in Somalia. Well, well, that was dumb. I, you know, I don't know, guy. I, you know, hey, the do-gooders, good for you. You know, the people who want to go cover Somalia, and you want to go fight Ebola in Congo, you know, you want to do all that, I, I, I guess I applaud your courage. But... This is what happens. Is it worth your life? Well, I feel bad for her. It's a bummer. And in further conflict news, I brought up the UAE earlier. You know that for four years, the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, have been the military linchpin of the Saudi-led war in Yemen. They've provided weapons, money, and thousands of ground troops to drive out those Houthi rebels, right? Well... The Emiratis have decided uh, to throw in the towel. They're done. They are withdrawing their forces at a scale and speed that all but rules out further ground advances. 
And they say this is a belated recognition that a grinding war that has killed thousands of civilians and turned Yemen into a humanitarian disaster is no longer winnable. Emirati officials have been saying for several weeks that they have begun a phased and partial withdrawal of forces estimated at 5,000 troops a few years ago. But Western and Arab diplomats briefed on this drawdown say a significant reduction has already occurred and that the Emiratis are driven mostly by their desire to exit a war whose cost has become too high, even if that means angering their Saudi allies. So they're fucking smarter than we are. So they're like, well, you know what? This is too much. Get them out. And they're doing it. How, how can they do it? And how come we can't do that? If somebody explain it. I know I'm so dumb. I don't understand these complex nuances of geopolitics. I'm just such a knuckle dragging side. I'm such a simpleton. Explain it to me, diplomats. Sick of this, you guys. Oh, I got to take a big drink of this water because my voice is already thrashed. Um, yeah, so in the past month, they have cut their deployment around the Red Sea port that was the war's main battleground by 80%. So, although, you know, they, they say the usual stuff, our commitment to Yemen remains, the official said, adding that Emirati forces have trained 90,000 Yemeni soldiers to fill the vacuum after their departure. Uh, just briefly, if you if you don't know what's going on in Yemen, I've covered it a little bit, but basically what happened is Saudi Arabia and the UAE went into Yemen in 2015 to roll back an attempted takeover by the Houthis, a faction supported by Iran, and to restore Yemen's internationally recognized government. This war is the signature initiative of Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, commonly known as MBS, and it is backed by the United States. Uh, just a brief side note, you guys, if you want to, if you're like me, like I, I really don't watch hardly any fiction anymore as far as TV or movies. I watch documentaries all the time. And you guys all know the show Frontline from PBS that's been running for many decades. It's excellent. They had a two-part series uh, late last year, and it is on Netflix. I really encourage you to go watch because it's a two-parter. It's very long, and it's all about the conflict between Saudi Arabia and Iran, and it's fascinating. It goes back to the roots of it, you know, pre-World War II, and it goes into, you know, when the U.S. Embassy in Iran was overthrown and the Shah was kicked out and they installed, uh, you know, Khomeini, the mullahs and all that crap. It's, it's very fascinating and kind of gives you a glimpse of the whole Saudi Arabia versus Iran. So I highly recommend that documentary if you haven't seen it already. Okay, what else? Why don't we turn to our political roundup? You guys love it. I love it. Uh, and we had a lot of good stuff this week. Uh, let us start with Kamala Harris. Yes, she's oh woke Kamala. She went on The View. And remember, at the debate, she said she would decriminalize border crossing. That's what she said. She raised her hand. So Megan McCain asks her to clarify what she means by this. So let's hear Kamala Harris. Okay. You're for decriminalizing border crossings. You're one of the people that raised <clears throat> hands at the debate. Do you agree with AOC that we should get rid of DHS altogether? That is not correct. I'm not in favor of decriminalizing um, or, or not having um, consequence for We have to keep, let me just be very clear. We <laughs> have to have a secure border. But I am in favor of saying that we're not going to treat people who are undocumented across the borders as criminals. That's correct. That is correct. 
correct. And what we've got to do is we cannot have any more policy like we have, ha have under this current president that is about inhumane conduct, that is about putting babies in cages, it is about separating children from their parents. And we have got to have policy that is about passing comprehensive immigration reform with a pathway towards citizenship, shutting down these private detention Clarify facilities. Clarify this for me, though, because yes, I do please. find it confusing. Yes. I believe if someone crosses over the border, it's illegally, it is illegal, and you would, you would decriminalize it. I would not make it a crime punishable by jail. I, it should be a civil enforcement issue, but not a criminal enforcement issue. Okay, but then you said you want to secure the border. How, okay, riddle me this. How do you secure the border and decriminalize border crossings then? Those two things do not match. My God, it's just propaganda left and right. And I have more to say on this upcoming, you guys, but you want, you want to know how the game is played? You guys saw that the ice, the scary ice raids are happening this weekend. Stupid Trump talked about it again. Just shut up, Trump, and stop talking about it. Just do it already. But the thing that kills me is this is how the game is played, and I've told you this many times. They swear up and down that nobody's for open borders. They just want everybody to have their due process. And if, hey, a judge orders them removed, then so be it. And yet, when ICE attempts to crack down and go after those people who have final orders removal, the media loses their mind and ICE is the Gestapo. Do you see how the game is played? The idea is to just let them remain in the country, put down some roots, and then rush to their overwhelmingly sympathetic media friends and tell them that they're tearing children from their mother's arms. That's how the game is. It's been, it's, they've been doing it for years now, that same pattern. So I don't want to hear this crap about like, well, we're just asking for due process because that's not what they want. They clearly want no law. <laughs> I got into it with some fuck face on Twitter this morning who is like, well, there has been people picked up by ICE on accident. I'm like, I'm sure there has been. We've got friggin' like 15 million illegal aliens in the country. There's going to be accidents. People are going to be detained wrongfully. I'm sorry that happens. Maybe if ICE wasn't so friggin' overwhelmed with hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants, we could be more due diligent. Anyway, I'll get into that more later because I have some stuff on it. But uh, let's continue the political roundup. And um, Joe Biden... I'm not going to play this whole thing because you can't hear the activists too well. Here's what happened. He's being confronted by activists because the Obama administration deported 3 million illegal aliens while he was vice president. And the funny part of this clip, bear with me through the first part because there's a translator and it's kind of annoying. But I want to get to the part where he says he would not stop deportations and they just start shrieking at him. So let's hear Joe Biden here. When Obama was president, Mi hermano fue detenido y deportado. my brother was uh, detained and deported. Yo tengo una niña tres meses y hace dos meses en mayo. Uh, I have a three-month-old daughter and two months ago in May. Fui detenido y puesto en proceso de I was detained and put into deportation proceedings. Quiero pedirle que se disculpe por los más de tres millones de inmigrantes que fueron deportados y separados de sus familias. Obviously for Spanish media. Asking if he's going to apologize. I want to know if you will commit. I want to know if you will commit to stopping all deportations of your elected president. Stopping deportations. He says no. Not all deportations. I would make sure that every single... Will you apologize for the 3 million deportations under the Obama administration? No. 
What I will. Three million deportations under the Obama administration. Apologize now. Apologize now. Three million deportations under the Obama administration. See, okay, and Joe is just sitting there with this look on his face like, why the fuck did I agree to do this? And I told him, I told you not to, Sleepy Joe. You can't reason with these are lunatics. These are fanatics surrounding him and screaming in his face. And of course, stupid Joe can't point out that, you know what? Many of these people we deported were violent criminals. Why do you support us keeping violent, criminal, illegal immigrants in the country? Turn it around on them. How come, no, how come nobody does that? Uh, it's too funny. And meanwhile, with all this going on, Sleepy Joe says he wants to allow many, 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 many more refugees in as well. So let's hear him talk about this. Here we go. Uh, if it pulls up. Here we go. Our Statue of Liberty, not very far from here, says, invites us to, and welcome the tired, the poor, the huddled masses yearning to breathe free. This again. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. Raise our target for refugees to a level commensurate with our responsibility and the unprecedented global need that exists. Okay, so in the, in the face of this massive, overwhelming illegal alien invasion, Joe Biden now wants to add hundreds of thousands of more refugees, too, that you will be paying for, clearly. Uh, you know what? Can, on a side note, can I tell you how sick I am of people quoting the goddamn Statue of Liberty? You know what? I'm a poem from a hundred years ago does not match the reality of the modern world nor the modern crisis that we find ourselves in. Okay, stop with the poem. A poem is not U.S. foreign policy, and it's not U.S. code. So stop with the poem. I get that all the time. Well, the Statue of Liberty says I'm, I don't give a shit what a hundred-year-old statue says. Nice sentiment. It's not the law. All right. Meanwhile, and many of you guys sent me these. Of course, this is my man, former ICE director Thomas Homan, and he was testifying in front of Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez, and many of you guys did send me this clip, and she tries to pin him on it, and he obviously is much smarter than her buffoonish ass, and he uh, tells her how it is. Let's hear him against AOC. This is the source of it. And it seems as though... Mr. Homan, that you are the author. It says here from yourself, Kevin Michalinen, and Francis Cisna. Is this correct? Did you sign the memo? I'd have to see what you. Yeah, let them. I'd be happy to provide it. Um, and we'll provide it over. But I would like to note that here it says the official recommendation. There were three different options presented. The third included the option for family separation. This initiative would pursue prosecution of all amenable adults, including those presenting with a family unit. Mr. Homan, your name is on this. Is this correct? Yes, I signed that memo. So you are the author of the family separation policy? I am not the author of this memo. You're not the author, but you signed the memo? Yes, a, so, zero, a zero tolerance memo. So you provided the official recommendation to Secretary Nielsen on family, for the United States to pursue family separation. 
I gave Secretary Nielsen numerous recommendations on how to secure the border and save lives. But it says here that you re you gave her numerous options, but the recommendation was option three, family but separation. What I'm saying, this is not the only paper where we've given the Secretary numerous options to secure the border and save lives. And so the recommendation of the many that you recommended, you recommended family separation. I recommend a zero tolerance. Which includes family separation. The same as is whenever you a citizen parent gets arrested when they're with a child. Yes, correct. Finally, somebody said it. Zero tolerance was interpreted as the policy that separated children from their If parents. I get arrested for DUI and I have a young child in a car, I'm going to be separated. When I was a police officer in New York and I arrested a father for domestic violence, I separated that Mr. father from Holman, his with all due respect, legal asylees are not charged with any crime. Who says they're lying, the though, dude? Violation 8, United States Code 1325. Seeking asylum is legal. If you want to seek asylum, go through the port of entry. Do it the legal way. Okay, so he said it right there. Yeah, you don't get to freaking sneak in. And, of course, our disgusting judges have said, Ola, you can illegally immigrate, and then once ICE catches you, then you can claim asylum, which is ludicrous. Now, here's one more clip of Holman. I'm not going to play this whole thing, but this idiot... This Democratic representative, I don't know, I think it's Garcia something. He claims that Homan doesn't care about children because he's white. And then he asks Homan if he's ever held a deceased child in his arms. And Homan goes off on him, as any cop would. Uh, so let's listen to this buffoon. Have we not learned from the internment of Japanese Americans? Mr. Homan, I'm a father. Do you have children? How can you possibly allow this to happen under your watch? Do you not care? Is it because these children don't look like children that are around you? I don't get it. Have you ever held a deceased child in your arms? First of all, your comments are disgusting. Yeah. I've served my, I find your I've served my country. I've served well, my country sir. for 34 I find, years. I find your this comments is, this is disgusting as well. I've served my country for 34 years. And yes, I held a five-year-old boy in my arms that, in back of that tractor trailer. I knelt down beside him and said a prayer for him because I knew what his last 30 minutes of his life were like. And I had a five-year-old son at the time. What I've been trying to do my 34 years serving my nation is to save lives. So for you to sit there and insult my integrity and my love for my country and for, the, and for children, that's why this whole thing needs to be fixed. Yeah. And you're the member we of Congress. We agree on that. Fix it. We agree on that, but I disagree. But I also oh, no, disagree oh, oh. with your Dr. characterization of Gentlemen, time has expired. <laughs> okay. They should just fight. Just let everybody fight. That would be the thing. Uh, and briefly, as long as we're talking about the border, um, just briefly, it, it is slightly down. Uh, they have, and they don't know if this is in June. Now, keep in mind when you say the numbers are down. They're down like 20%, which is great, right? But one, summertime is usually it's down because it's just too damn hot out in the desert. So it went all the way down to uh, only, big air quotes here, 94,897 people arrested Okay, in June. Now, that follows, that compares to 132,880 in the month of May. So when people are like, oh, crisis over, look, it's down. It's still 100,000 friggin' people. <laughs> so so uh, that's where we are. with and, that, and you can go look at those numbers for yourself on cbp.gov. Um, now, let's listen to DH Secretary J. Johnson. This was Obama's DHS secretary. And he's saying this, all this hysteria around ICE raids is ridiculous. We do this all the time. Here we go. Deportations occur 
all the time. Yes. Uh, of those who have been ordered deported by an immigration judge, hopefully after they have exhausted their appeal rights, after they've had an opportunity to have their asylum case heard, um, we simply have to enforce the law, particularly if someone has been ordered deported. Now, <clears throat> these these high-profile uh, focused uh, enforcement actions, it's important for people to remember that they do have rights if they are arrested by someone from ICRO. Uh, if they're ordered deported in absentia, very often they have a right to a rehearing in person, and they cannot be deported until their, their process has run its course. In other words, they've exhausted all their appeal rights. And so it's important for migrants to know they have uh, rights. But Enforcement actions themselves are not extraordinary. Oh, can you believe this? And this is our stupid system. He just said it. So you could not show up for court, and then when ICE inevitably catches you, because when you don't show up for court, they say, okay, he's not here. You're ordered deported. But then you can go back once you get caught and say, oh, no, 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 I want to challenge. And then they have to give you a hearing again. How stupid is that? And then just one more time, you guys, we have over a million illegal immigrants with final orders of removal, meaning they've had their due process, they've seen a judge, and a judge said, now you gotta go. And Trump, these scary enforcement raids are only supposed to get rid of 2,000 of them. We have a million of people in that situation. This is a drop in the bucket. And look at the frenzy over just this one raid. Let's just do it. Stop talking. I'm so sick of Trump talking about it. Just fucking do it already. You were elected to do this. Do it. Quit talking about it and tweeting about it, you dummy. Okay, anything else with it? Oh, I got a couple uh I got a couple of uh I got a clip from my man, Robert. Actually, before that, I want to do this really quick. This is just a montage. Um when you guys always I know, you guys think I'm like really mean and scary. Well, I I represent the prevailing opinion that was common among many Democrats. Here's a little montage of many Democrats saying that we should deport if them. making it easy to be an illegal alien isn't enough, Harry Reid. how about offering a reward for being an illegal immigrant? No, no sane country would do that, right? Guess again. If you break our laws by entering this country without permission and give birth to a child, we reward that child with U.S. citizenship and guarantee of full access to all public and social services this society provides. It is wrong and ultimately self-defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years, and we must do more to stop it. I think we can enforce our borders. I think we should enforce our borders. To have a situation where 40% of the babies born on Medicaid in California today are born of illegal immigrants creates a very real problem. I'm deeply opposed to illegal immigration. Kim Kane, and I call Senator. on the federal government, the president, and the immigration services to stop the inflow of illegal immigrants into this country. I believe we have very serious immigration problems uh, in this country. I think, as you've heard today, sanctions against employers who hire illegal immigrants is virtually non-existent. Our border is very porous. Well, look, I voted Hillary. Uh, uh, numerous times when I was a senator to spend money to build a, uh, a barrier to try to prevent a wall? Um, illegal immigrants <laughs> from coming in. Um, and. I do think you have to control your borders. Thank you, Hillary. 
we simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States Barack. undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants. Now, just think if we had a real media, guys, that they could go and ask uh, Barack Obama about that statement and play that clip for him. Oh, yeah, that's right. We don't have real media. Anything else in the political roundup? Oh, I had a, I had a few good ones. Um, so Mitch McConnell, he is the Senate Majority Leader of Kentucky. He has a new challenger, and this is ex-fighter pilot Amy McGrath. And uh, she's already, like, done some uh, mistakes on this. Like, for example, she said she had a bunch of letters from people talking about Mitch McConnell. And what somebody noticed that the when she was showing the letters in her campaign launch video, she retells her story of getting no answers to letters to members of Congress. And it features four Kentucky citizens writing to Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And the video implies that McConnell never responded. However, <laughs> it appears that the letters were sent the same day that she announced her bid to challenge McConnell. In other words, she, they just made it up. So she got, she got caught lying already. Too funny. Uh, and he was asked, Mitch McConnell, about his ancestors owning slaves. Because, it, it, you guys, in a huge coincidence, NBC did a big story where they announced that Mitch McConnell's great-great-great-grandparents or whatever once owned slaves. And the very next day, by shocking coincidence, he got a challenger in a Senate race. Isn't that a coincidence, you guys? I mean... Somebody might almost think that the media was working hand-in-hand hand with a Democratic candidate, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> uh, anyway, so McConnell was asked about his ancestors' slave ownership. So let's hear his answer. Were you aware that your great-great-grandfathers were slave owners in Alabama uh, before the Civil War? And has that revelation caused you to change your position on reparations? You know, I find myself, once again, in the same position as President Obama. We both oppose reparations, and we both are the descendants of slaveholders. Oh, well done, Mitch. And you can tell on Mitch's face, he's got this little smirk. He was ready for that question. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, i got to reopen these tabs sometime. Uh, Elizabeth Warren promised to... Get Israel out of the West Bank. I'm so you guys, I'm so freaking sick of hearing about Israel in the West Bank. I don't care, okay? I don't care who's in the West Bank. But let's listen to this. She's asked by a bunch of activists if she'd uh, get rid of Israel or something. I don't know. Stupid music from the dumb uh, Twitter thing before they get to the actual area. American Jews, we really love the way you're fighting corruption. We really love it if you also um, push the Israeli government to end the occupation. Yes. yes. Excellent. So I'm here. Thank you. That was it. Okay, that was it. So she's there. That's what she's there. What is it? American Jews are funny, aren't they? They're so much different than Israelis. Very, very different. Uh, what else? Bernie Sanders was on Rachel Maddow, Crazy Bernie, and he basically offered cradle-to-grave uh, entitlement. Here we go. If you were elected president in 2020, 
odds are, I don't know, let's guess, 50-50 that Senator Mitch McConnell would still be the leader of the Republicans in the Senate and they'd still hold the majority there. You know from being in the Senate what that means in terms of the power of getting legislation through. Yes, I am indeed the Grim Reaper when it comes to the socialist agenda that they've been ginning up over in the House That's with Mitch. overwhelming Democratic support and sending it over to America, things that would turn us into a country we've never been. I know you don't want McConnell to still be there. Right. If he is still there, yes. what would you put on his plate first? What would you? What would be your first legislative priority? I'll tell you, before I put anything on his plate, I would be in the state of Kentucky holding a rally with tens of thousands of people to say to what is in fact one of the poorest states in this country, a real struggling state in Kentucky, that we need to raise the minimum wage, a state which is really suffering for lack of health care. We're going to rally the American people in Kentucky. We're going to rally the American people in Mississippi. We're going to rally the people in South Carolina to demand that their representatives, I know this is a radical idea, actually do what the American people want. The point that I make over and over again, Rachel, is the ideas that I talk about are ideas that the American people want. They don't get it because you got a Congress indebted to wealthy campaign contributors. And by the way, whether you call it socialism or social democracy or progressive government, everything that I'm talking about exists in countries like Norway, Sweden, Denmark, where they have health care for all, where they have strong universal child care programs, where college education is free. These are not radical ideas. All right, let me stop, Bernie, here. You know, it's always Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. How come they never mention Cuba, Venezuela, Mexico, for examples of socialism gone crazy? How come they never mention those? It's always Norway and Sweden. Oh, man. All right, I know I got a few more. Okay, here's, here's a... I, I cannot have the political roundup without a clip from my man, uh, Robert Menton O'Rourke. And here he is in Nashville talking about how this country is founded on white supremacy. Scary stuff here, you guys. Uh, here we are in Nashville. Um, I know this from my home state of Texas. Um, those places that formed the Confederacy, um, that this country was founded on white supremacy. And, and every single institution and structure that we have in our country still reflects the legacy uh, of slavery and segregation and Jim Crow um, and suppression, even in our democracy, the ability to vote and participate in our elections. Okay, thank you very much, Robert. Uh, by the way, the latest polls came out, and Andrew Yang is now pulling ahead of Robert. That's how badly he's failing. And, of course, Eric Swalwell becomes the first casualty to drop out of the um, the... Democratic race. Uh, here's one minute montage of some of Eric Swalwell's highlights. We are all a part of being the Avengers. The Republicans in 2016, that was the Hunger Games. The, the new CNN poll, I want to put it up right now. Uh, you are at an asterisk. <laughs> I will be bold without the bowl. Huh? <laughs> I, will be, I will be bold without the bowl. Oh, but you know, frankly, this is the Avengers. We're not the Hunger Games. Oh, that again. Okay, there you go. A little montage. There's too much music for it, though, so I'm just going to stop it early. Go listen to it. Uh, who else was made the audio clip? Um, well, I have to also point out how there's an ongoing feud right now between the Nancy Pelosi Democrats and the new woke progressive caucus, who are quite woke, and that includes like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. And uh, there's a big, uh, there's, they're, they're fighting with each other. And now AOC is getting threatened to primary. So here first is Pelosi talking about, basically AOC implied that Pelosi was racist because she was attacking a woman of color. 
which you guys know, that's the shield, right? Once you say woman of color, you can no longer criticize that person. It's their magic wand against all criticism. So once they invoke the walk woman of color, you're supposed to just shut up and go away. That's their idea. That ain't fucking happening, lady. Anyway, so she accused Nancy Pelosi, so uh, Pelosi responded. Let's hear this. There's been a lot of debate over um, the way you and um, Representative um, Ocasio-Cortez are, are um, relating to each other these days. She has said that she explicitly feels, she feels that you are explicitly targeting her and others, um, uh, women of color, on the issues of race. What is your response? I, I've said what I'm going to say in the caucus. That's where uh, this is appropriate. And I said what I'm going to say in the caucus. They took offense because I addressed, at the request of my members, an offensive tweet that came out of one of the members' offices that referenced our blue dogs and our new Dems essentially as segregationists. Our members took offense at that. I addressed that. How they're interpreting and carrying it to another place is up to them. But I'm not going to be discussing it any further. All right. I love it. And uh, in response, AOC appears to suggest that she's um, targeting her because Pelosi wants her to get death threats. She's singling out four individuals. Um, and knowing the media environment that we're operating in, knowing the amount of death threats that we get, knowing the amount of... of concentration of attention i think it's just it's it's wor just worth asking why do you think she has racial animus is she racist no no absolutely not oh of course not i'm just throwing it out there but no of course not right and even trump even trump rushed he rushed to defend pelosi this is great because now i would love to have heard what pelosi said when she found out trump was defending her he called on her to be treated with respect there you go i don't think that Nancy can let that go on. A group of people that came from, I don't know where they came from. I'm looking at this Omar from Minnesota. And if one half of the things they're saying about her are true, she shouldn't even be in office. Yeah. But Cortez should treat Nancy Pelosi with respect. She should not be doing what she's doing. And I'll tell you something about Nancy Pelosi that you know better than I do. She is not a racist, okay? She is not a racist. For them to call her a racist is a disgrace. All right. That's good politics right there. I'm actually impressed by Donald for his ability to say something that wasn't totally stupid. And just for the hell of it, um, I had this clip. This is from like a week ago when AOC visited one of the, the camps. And all the Latinos, I know, I, I have many, many Latino or Hispanic heritage listeners. I love all you guys. Just because you're Latino doesn't mean you want open borders either. This is like a white liberal thing. White liberals think just because your last name ends in a Z, you're therefore all about open borders with a never-ending stream of illegal aliens. So she got heckled by a bunch of like Hispanic Americans saying do something about the border. And I thought the audio was so great, I thought I'd play it. Here we go. Oh, You piece of shit! <laughs> <laughs> do your job! 
He's okay. Stand up by me. Uh, so funny. What? Yeah, there you go. Getting it. I like the. I love the pushback. I do. They should be shouted wherever they go. Do I have any more? Uh, well, I have a few others, but honestly, you guys get the picture. Um, I just want to let. Let's finish with. Okay, let me finish with this one. Let's finish with Trump. Let's give him the last word. He's talking about Paul Ryan here. Paul Ryan now, huge failure Paul Ryan, who everybody thought was a genius for some reason. I called Paul Ryan a dope like 15 years ago. And now everybody is figuring out that he is a dope. So he criticized Trump. So Trump uh, criticized him back. Here we go. So Paul Ryan was not a talent. He wasn't a leader. <laughs> when the people in freedom and, and great congressmen wanted to go after the Dems for things that they did very badly, he wouldn't give subpoenas, whereas Nancy Pelosi hands them out like they're cookies. Paul Ryan was a lame duck for a long time as speaker. He was unable to raise money. He lost control of the House. The only success Paul Ryan had was the time that he was with me because we got taxes cut. I got regulation cuts. I did that mostly without him. <laughs> but for Paul Ryan to be complaining is pretty amazing. I remember a day in Wisconsin, a state that I won, where I stood up and made a speech, and then I introduced him, and they booed him off the stage, 10,000 people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing about Trump is when he when he says he mentions something and he'll he'll invoke the 2016 election somehow like right there. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I was in Wisconsin. By the way, that's a state that I won in 2016. Oh, God, it's so funny, dude. Uh, God, you ask why I like doing a podcast because it's this. I get this shit every single week. Is that all I have for the political roundup? Yeah, that's it. I'm thinking to call it there. There's your political roundup, guys. Hope it was a good one. Let's move on. Okay, one of you guys sent me this story, and this was another one of these Russian roulette shootings. Yes, these still happen, unbelievably enough. Remember the cops story I did a few months back where cops were playing Russian roulette? Well, here's another one. This was in... One more time, you guys. The newspapers, they won't learn. They won't learn to say what state and city you're in. I don't know where you are. I'm so glad they're going out of business. Somewhere called Union City. This is out of the East Bay Times. Is that, is that NorCal? I don't even know. Anyway, a 16-year-old boy was arrested after shooting at a home that sent another 16-year-old boy to a hospital. This boy was suffering from a single gunshot wound to the chest. He is expected to survive. Investigators who recovered the gun used in the shooting learned that it was used in a modified Russian roulette game. Oh, and you know why it was modified? Because instead of pointing the gun at yourself, you pointed at the other person and pulled the trigger. <laughs> Dude, how much money would, you, would it take you to let somebody spin the cylinder on a revolver with one round in it, point the gun at your chest, and pull the trigger? How much money, guys? There's no amount of money is the correct answer. Okay, uh, what else? I had a, a Georgia man, 30 years old, met a 13-year-old girl on the internet. He got chased by the cops, and he threw the girl out the window somehow. Yes, I know. That's a lot to take in. 
This happened around 3 a.m., of course. And it happened in South Carolina. So the deputies observed a man climb from the back seat into the driver's seat and take off. So the deputies followed him. And the driver eventually stopped and was arrested. He did tell officers he was hooking up with a girl he had met online, and she had jumped out during the chase. While investigators discovered that the girl, who was 13, had injured her arms and legs. And she allegedly told deputies that Nelson was her 30-year-old boyfriend, and he had thrown her from the car. (laughs) It was Derek Nelson is the guy's name, by the way. Wow. Nelson told deputies he thought the girl was 18, but whoops, they found his cell phone where he referred to her in a text message as his, quote, 13-year-old doll. Whoops. Never text anything, Nelson. How many times I got to tell you guys? I don't know. You're going to listen one of these days. Uh, How about this? Ross Perot passed away. Of course, Ross Perot was the Texas billionaire who ran for president in 1992 and 1996. And he died at 89 years old uh, from leukemia. And uh, Ross Perot, I still remember as a kid watching that election, you know, as a young kid in high school and kind of watching the election. And and Ross Perot was really, you know, he got up there with his charts and his twang, his twangy voice. And he was, a, he was quite a man. He was a self-made millionaire. He's an Eagle Scout. He was a Navy officer out of Annapolis, and he founded a wildly successful data processing enterprise. And then in 1969, he became kind of involved with the U.S. Special Forces, where he was trying to fly medicine and food to American prisoners of war in uh, North Vietnam. In 1979, speaking of that, uh, when the U.S. Embassy was taken over by the Iranians, in 1979, Ross Perot staged a commando raid that he said had freed two of his employees and thousands of criminals and political prisoners from captivity in revolutionary Iran. And uh, under the banner in 1992, he spent $65 million million under the banner slogan, United We Stand America to run for president. And he was all about cutting the deficit red tape and waste. And he would bring out all these charts and kind of do it and and, you know, he commanded respect. He was a billionaire. He's a self-made man. He's a veteran. And he did a lot. And I know he's very beloved to this day in the Army. And so I thought I'd play a clip of Ross Perot when he was running. And he was responding to criticism that he should not be president of the United States because he didn't have any political experience. Let's hear what Ross Perot said. Got a point. I don't have any experience in running up a $4 trillion debt. any experience in gridlock government where nobody takes responsibility for anything and everybody blames everybody else. I don't have any experience in creating the worst public school system in the industrialized world, the most violent crime-ridden society in the industrialized world, but I do have a lot of experience in getting things done. So if we're at a point in history where we want to stop talking about it and do it, I've got a lot of experience in figuring out how to solve problems, making the solutions work, and then moving on to the next one. I've got a lot of experience in not taking 10 years to solve a 10-minute problem. So if it's time for action, I think I have experience that counts. If there's more time for gridlock and talk and finger-pointing, I'm the wrong man. That was Ross Perot at the 1992 debate with George H.W. Bush. 
And it was pretty crazy. He got like, I don't have it in front of me, he got like 16% of the vote in 92 election. And people say the reason why George H.W. Bush did not win a second term was probably Ross Perot. But it's almost unthinkable to me now that a third-party candidate would have that good of a showing. Because, you know, when we've had third-party candidates in the last couple of cycles, what do they get, like 2% maybe? Anyway, hell of a guy, hell of a life. Ross Perot. All right, guys, how about this one? Have you heard about the toddler who died after falling from the cruise ship? This is insane. This is a one-year-old girl, and while she was in the child's play area of the cruise ship, this is the Royal Caribbean Freedom of the Seas, she fell more than 10 stories onto a concrete dock in Puerto Rico. Oh, God. Now, initial reports said that Chloe fell out of her grandfather's arms, but the family is disputing those accounts. Now, her family's attorney said that Chloe's grandfather put her on the ledge of a window in the children's area. And the attorney said that the grandfather was unaware that the window was open. Well, you know what? If I, I, I'm sorry for the family, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own shit, Grandpa. Even if there was a window there, wouldn't that freak you out putting your kid on a railing? I, I don't have a picture of like what the exact setup is, so I can't really I can't really say if he's got a case or not. But I'm just saying, you're on a boat, dude, like with a one year old and you're hundreds of feet up in the air and you're gonna put a kid on a ledge? I don't know. So her grandfather lifted her up and put her on the railing where he thinks there's glass there because it's clear, but it turns out there was no glass there. And the child went to go bang on the glass, you know, and she uh, she fell right over the side. <sighs> hmm. And they're blaming Royal Caribbean, and they're saying, why would you even have a window open in an entire glass wall full of windows? Well, that may be, but it still doesn't excuse your negligence, you know? That's the thing. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think the grandpa is a fucking dumbass. And it's a, either way, it's a tragedy. Uh, this was interesting, too. You guys know I'm, I'm a big ocean guy, and I tell people constantly. The other day, I, I set this on Twitter. Like, I'm, I'm in the water coming out of the ocean. Where I like to go out, because I jump in the water all the time, where I like to go out is pretty treacherous. And people see me go out, and they're like, wow, that jacked and ripped and tanned former commandos going into the ocean. I can go into the ocean. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm a highly trained combat diver. You are a big fat tub of goo from frigging the Midwest. What are you doing? And sure enough, yes, the lifeguards had to pull a couple people out who followed me out. So on that note, the reason I bring this up because they found a body of an 18-year-old British tourist who'd been missing since July 1st. He was snorkeling around the Newport Pier up in Orange County. His name was Christopher Nguyen, and he was with his family, I think, and, and he was celebrating his 18th birthday and this is why i bring it up this is the ocean you guys shit can happen real quick you're thinking oh this is calm water i'll just go snorkel you have no idea about what the ocean can do to you in a hurry i mean i've been out there a few times where i was like i i had some fear in me because i'm like dude i don't know if i can get back in it's gnarly it gets gnarly out really quick and you better know what you're doing and this kid was basically walked out of the beach and he's like oh, i think i'll go put my face mask on and snorkel around the pier and he disappeared and they couldn't find him for like a week and they just found the body so sadly he died have some respect for the ocean know your limits people think they can swim <laughs> 
Take a guy to a pool. Take a guy who's really, take a guy that you know is really fit, you guys, and then take him to a lap pool and see how long he can swim without stopping. Uh, most people, if they're not swimmers, they think they can swim a lot longer than they actually can. So please be careful. All right. How are we doing on time? Okay, let's keep going. All right, what else? Um, let us go to... Oh, it's speaking of the immigration thing, I almost forgot about this one because it happened at the end of the last week. Did you see they arrested two Marines for smuggling illegal aliens? Can you believe this? These, these guys are like the dumbest dudes in history. This was Marines uh, Brian Law II and David Salazar Quintero, and they were caught at about 10 a.m. last Wednesday by a U.S. Border Patrol agent while driving three illegal immigrants on the Interstate 8 near Jacumba Hot Springs. That's seven miles north of the border. The three passengers admitted to authorities that they were Mexican citizens in the country illegally and had been picked up from the side of the road. Two of the three immigrants said they had planned to fork over $8,000 each to get into the United States, and that's how much they were going to pay these two clowns. Both of the Marines were stationed at Camp Pendleton, said they also picked up another illegal immigrant near the same place a week earlier. And then after being caught, the Marines turned on each other and blamed each other for initiating the smuggling. Jeez. Uh, Law claimed both smugglings were organized by Salazar Quintero, who coordinated the pickups via cell phone conversations with somebody south of the border. Oh, that's that's real smart, you guys. Let's just throw away like a possible like I don't know. You serve twenty years in the military, you can retire at age thirty-eight with a big fat check for the rest of your life. But no, let's throw that away for a couple G's, you morons. Not only are you gonna go to the jail, you're gonna get dishonorable discharge and everything else that comes with it. So congratulations. And I mentioned those ice raids earlier. Well, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who is quite woke, she's newly elected. Uh, she has made moves to bar Immigration and Customs Enforcement from accessing its police databases amid <laughs> reports of potential raids. So she won't even let them access the police databases. Oh, and then on a side note, one of my contacts in law enforcement, shout out to him in the New York State Police, he told me that they always institute a uh, stopping drivers going to these parks on the weekend at this particular time to make sure people are wearing their seatbelts. Well, some social justice warrior complained about it because it might hurt the precious illegal immigrants. So the governor, right from the top, canceled the entire operation. So, this, so they, they were like, what? That might affect illegal immigrants? That's it. Operations off. Operations off. I know it's wild. Uh, meanwhile, they had an illegal immigrant arrested on 100-plus child sex crime charges in Louisiana. Mysteriously enough, I didn't see all the woke journalists tweeting about this incessantly. Yeah, Miguel Martinez, 44 years old, 100 counts of possession of pornography, including juveniles under the age of 13, one count of production of pornography, and one count of sexual battery of a juvenile under the age of 13. And yes, he was living in the United States illegally. I never hear about those guys. I only hear about all the, uh, I, don't, I only hear about all the uh, honor students all the time. Okay, let us move on to, oh, the spy story. A California professor is in trouble. He is being, he has been found guilty of exporting stolen U.S. military technology to China. 
and that is UCLA adjunct professor Yi Shi Shi, and he was convicted on 18 federal charges and could now lose hundreds of thousands of dollars while also facing up to 219 years behind bars. Wow, dude. Telling you, you guys, the Chicoms, they never stop trying to infiltrate our universities. This guy, this professor and his co-defendant tried to access illegally a protected computer owned by a U.S. company that manufactured semiconductor chips called monolithic microwave integrated circuits, and they are used in fighter jets, missiles, and missile guidance technology. So he schemed to export to China these semiconductors and then lied about it to federal authorities and failed to report income generated by the scheme on his tax return. So he was getting paid. He had been serving as an adjunct professor of electrical engineering at UCLA. Okay, well, he's going away for a long time. Nice life. Couple court cases that had to do with POTUS. Speaking of Trump, let's. He, there was one good one and one bad one for him. Here's the here's the good one. Uh, the Trump Trump did win dismissal of that emoluments court case. You remember that one? That was the lawsuit that was challenging the legality of payments to President Donald Trump's hotels by foreigners during his tenure at the White House. And. He still faces a similar lawsuit in one, but a three-judge panel of the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said that Maryland and the D.C. do not have legal standing to claim that Trump violated the so-called emoluments clause of the U.S. Constitution. And this was unanimous. Because that clause bars government officials from accepting gifts from foreign officials. Well, that's the thing. It's so abstract, right? And it was written a long time ago. I mean, he's a businessman who owns hotels. The suit was the first ever to try to claim a president violated the emoluments clause. How funny is that? Of course. The panel ordered a federal district court judge in Maryland to dismiss the suit against Trump with prejudice, which means it would bar the plaintiffs from relaunching the case. Okay, so so much for... There's a big L for the resistance right there. Now, in the other case... Guys, this is the one that I think is ludicrous, the Twitter one. A U.S. appeals court has said Trump cannot block people whose views he disliked from his Twitter account, and this was a 3 nothing decision. As I pointed out on Twitter, I don't think the judges or the lawyers know how Twitter works, and I tried to explain this on Twitter myself, but let me, let me spell it out for you. I've been blocked by many of the woke vets, for example, right? But if I don't use Twitter, if I just open up their username in an internet browser like Safari, it comes right up. Now, in order for this to work, you cannot be logged in on Twitter on the internet browser. Okay, so if you are, because sometimes I use my desktop for Twitter because it's easier to type. But if you log out of that and you just search somebody's username who's blocked you, you can read their tweets. So... This, to me, how can you, what the judges are saying is, oh, well, they have a right not only to read their tweets, but they have a right to participate. And then I'm like, well, then by that logic, how can Twitter possibly be able to ban people from their platform? If the judges, they say, um, they say that Trump's account bears all the trappings of an official state-run account, even though it's not and is one of the White House's main vehicles for conducting official business. Okay, so then I ask the question again. 
then how can you ban people from viewing, how can Twitter ban people from viewing this public forum, which the court has just declared it to be a public forum? Then how can you ban people? By that logic, nobody should be ever be allowed to be banned from Twitter. Does that make sense? And now it's stupid, because now, now somebody's uh, suing AOC, Ocasio-Cortez, for the same thing. It's like, dude, it's dumb to me. You should be able to block whoever you want, and Twitter should be able to have whoever they want on their platform. But the judge basically just told Twitter, you're, no, you're, a, you're some kind of new public square. That would be an interesting lawsuit then. So why doesn't somebody sue Twitter? I should hear. Counselor, I'm speaking to my, my podcast counsel right now. I want you guys to file a lawsuit alleging that Twitter has denied me of my civic participation by leaving me unable to read and comment on the president's tweets because I was banned from Twitter. That's a win, right? I mean, that's what the judges said. Oh, and I'm, I'm sorry, guys. There was a third case that involves Trump, and this is too funny. This is the ongoing investigation by the Southern District of New York, right? And this was the one that all the good liberals all over MSNBC were saying, oh, forget about Mueller. Forget about the Mueller thing. The real action is in the Southern District Court of New York because they're going after Trump hard and they're going to get him. They got Michael Cohen. They got the goods on Trump and they're going to bring him down. They're going to bring him down. Well, Looks like the case is wrapping up and will likely result in no charges. Wah, wah. <laughs> They're wrong about everything constantly. Shameless. And the same people will be on TV tomorrow talking about, oh, well, this is just a bump in the road. This was the investigation into whether company officials violated the law by reimbursing former Trump attorney Michael Cohen for hush money payments made on behalf of then-presidential candidate Donald Trump. It has been going on for several months, the investigation, but lately, nothing's been going on, and now CNN is reporting that prosecutors do not appear poised to charge any Trump organization executives in this probe that stemmed from the case against Cohen. So all those really smart people on Twitter, all the never-Trumps and all those law professors who go on MSNBC and get sucked off by Chris Hayes were totally wrong again. Wrong. Preet Bahara, he's a big woke liberal now. He's the former uh, DA, the federal, uh, federal DA. He was the one predicting, oh, this is going to bring him down. He was wrong. Nobody knows shit. All right, back to international news quickly. Did you see they have these black vest protesters that stormed the Pantheon in Paris? <laughs> they call themselves this after the yellow vests. But these are the black vests, and these are undocumented African migrants. And they stormed the Pantheon in Paris, a famous, famous, famous place, and occupied it and demanded the right to remain in France. You believe this? They'll probably be given full citizenship. The Pantheon is a mausoleum where mo many of France's most famous figures are buried. So these, this, this mob ran into it, and they waved papers in the air and chanted and demanded to hold talks with Prime Minister Edouard Philippe over their immigration status. Um, so good luck with that. Between 200 and 300 migrants took part in the uh, protest. Some people say up to 700, and the police went and... Cleared them out after a few hours. And uh, just the same thing. It's the same thing there it is here. You got, if, unless you return them and swiftly repatriate them back to their home countries, this will never end. So good luck. 
Uh, also, in international, the gun buyback from New Zealand, that started. Yes, uh, all of a, a total, a grand total of 150 gun owners turned in semi-automatic weapons and gun parts to the police in Christchurch, New Zealand on Saturday. Today, that was the first day of the nationwide gun back gun buyback program following of course that terrorist attack on mosques a few months ago uh, they got a total of 224 weapons handed over and they said that gun owners would be paid a total of close to three hundred thousand dollars for the now 224 now illegal weapons it's like basically a grand a weapon I wonder what kind of piece of shit guns they turned in to get a grand weapon. There's no... Oh, here's some... Oh, there's a picture here. Okay, one... I'm looking. There's at least... Yeah, they, they look like pretty like old. There's like one old-looking AR in there. Uh, is that a lever action? <laughs> God, so stupid. Is a lever action considered semi-automatic? That looks like a lever action rifle to me. Hmm. I don't know the exact uh, thing of the law. So gun owners received 95% of what police have determined is a fair market value for weapons in new or near new condition. Hmm. In addition to firearms, more than 217 banned parts were also handed in. Okay. Well, you know, I, I don't know anything about the numbers of gun ownership in New Zealand, but I can tell you that is a tiny, 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 tiny drop in the bucket of the guns out there, just like it would be here. All right, uh, you guys know I like the uh, dudes calling cops on the black guys. Yeah, I always like those. So here's, <laughs> this is a black guy. He's filming a white man who called police on him for allegedly trespassing outside a San Francisco apartment building. And the funny part is the kid, the, the man's kid is asking the dad not to do it, and he does it anyway. Let's hear how this goes. Call box and have them come down. They don't have to do that. You can just walk away. I'm going to call the police. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Call the police. Remember that uh, I remember this exactly happening when I used to live in my own condo and then people used to call the police all the time. Sir, I'll hold the door here for you while that you call That is okay. Your Nobody's asking you to hold the door. You can do whatever you want. But I'm recording you right now and you're going to be the next person. Look at this. You don't need to threaten me. You just need I'm to not threatening you. You are. I'm not threatening you. You're going to be the next person what? You're just going to be the next person on TV. Just remember that, and you have your son with you. That's why I asked you if that's your son. It's better. I'll re I will delete this. Yeah, there's a trespasser in my building. Oh. Listen to your son. Yeah, you go. It's the better. I, I agree with him, Dad. It's the better. Let's go. Sad. Kids like bawling. <laughs> I tell get it to the door. Appears to be African American. He appears to be African American. Thirty-five, software engineer. Polo shirt and a Yankees cap. All good. All good. Software engineer, brother. Yep. Pink polo shirt. Yeah. And tennis shoes, jeans. Yeah. Okay, you get the idea. I don't know. Like, what's your problem? Just fucking go on your way, dude. What do you care if the guy's outside? It's afraid. He, you, you could hear him say, like, oh, you can call your friend from a call box here. Okay, so close the door. And if he does live there or doesn't live there, then he, somebody else will let him in. So what do you care, dude? Oh, and a kid, man. That's sad. 
A shout out to my younger brother. He went to run with the Bulls in Pamplona, Spain. Yes, he did. He went and did it, and uh, he was uh, victorious. And another American was not so lucky because he was gored in the neck as he was taking a selfie while running with the Bulls in Spain. That's right. The animal's horn sank deep into Jaime Alvarez's neck and fractured part of his cheekbone. And doctors say it was miraculous that the horn did not hit his jugular vein or other major arteries. Fucking idiot, dude. There is no, there's no self-awareness or self-preservation. What goes through your mind when a huge thousand-pound animal is chasing you down and you really want to get a picture for Instagram? Man, it's rough. Um, where else? Okay, and... Oh, quickly, this was also breaking this morning, not, not to go back to the whole immigration thing, but this is pretty funny because protesters have removed the United States flag and replaced it with the Mexican flag outside of an ICE facility in Aurora, Colorado. Hundreds of protesters gathered in Aurora. One of my great listeners sent, told me that they were actually went through the march, and 95% and of the crowd were white liberals. I keep telling you this. This is a white liberal-driven phenomenon. And they replaced the U.S. flag with the Mexican flag and then spray-painted graffiti on a Blue Lives Matter flag before it was seen flying upside down the flagpole. You believe these animals? And so tell me again how this is supposed to convey sympathy for your cause. So you're, you're protesting illegal immigration and telling how much evil America is by raising the flag of the foreign country that many of them either came from or traversed through to get through? What is that? Aren't the whole reason they're coming here is to get away from Mexico? Oh, man. Silly. Okay, and this one, look, I, I got a little pushback on this from Twitter uh, from some of you people who were not happy with my opinion on this. And that's fine. You know, we don't always have to agree about everything. And this was one of those um, situations here. And this is the teacher. She's a 28, she's 28 years old. She had sex with a 13-year-old boy in a classroom while his friend kept lookout. I believe I actually covered it when it happened. Well, she has been sentenced to 20 years in jail. That's Brittany Zamora. And she was sentenced in Arizona. This is in Arizona. She was sentenced to 20 years in prison. So I said that is ridiculous, 20 years in prison. And I know it's a double standard. It's not, it's not the same thing, ladies. I'm sorry. I know you have a 15-year-old boy, and you think any woman who would prey upon your precious boy is a monster. Fine. I can tell you right now, the kid is not going to be scarred for life. Like, it, if it was a man who was violently raping a 13-year-old girl, totally different. This kid, he went back numerous times for it. <laughs> you know? He, she, uh, she's accused of having sex with a 13-year-old multiple times in the classroom. Um, and he banged her in her car. And the only reason she got caught is because his parents, the kid's parents, installed an app on his phone called Sentry Parental Control, which monitors messaging apps for suspicious content or behavior. Oh, Okay, so I, I guess she was sending him undie pics, you know, lingerie. And so the Sentry app sent an alert to the parents because it detected a suspicious image. So when they got these alerts, 
They confronted the teenager, and the teenager admitted to having sex with her. And again, he went back numerous times. He's not going to be scarred for life, you guys. Uh, you know what? Fine. You disagree with me on this one? Fine. You're wrong. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it's, it's, not, it's not the same thing. I know it's a double standard. I don't give a shit. That's the way. Again, I live in the real world here, okay? The 13-year-old boy is not going to be scarred for life. And I'm looking at the teacher's picture. She's not un unattractive. You're telling me this kid is going to have nightmares from banging the hot teacher in her car? Get out of here. All right. Um, and a bunch of you guys sent me this one as well. This is the bagel shop guy. You know, did you hear about this little guy? He's in a bagel shop, and he gets mad at all the women. And, and he starts yelling because he's a really small guy. He's like five feet tall. And he starts yelling at all the women, saying that every all women suck and blah, blah, blah. And apparently this is not the first time he's done this, but I have some pretty good audio to hear it. Why is it okay for women to say, oh, you're five feet on dating sites? You should be dead. That's okay. Who said that to you here? Nobody. Women in general have said it on dating sites. You think I'm making that shit up? Yeah. Everywhere I go, I get the same fucking smirk with the biting lip. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boss. <laughs> Dude, you want to step outside? Hey. You want to step outside? Huh? Hey. I'm not standing, pal. Hey. Uh, no, uh, no. You shut up, too. No, guy didn't attack you, big dog. And he gets attacked. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I just wanted bagels. I just wanted bagels. I recorded Okay, so that was that was part one, and there is a there is a second clip here. And this is after, okay, they separated the fighters, and he's still going on about it. There he goes. Okay, and apparently, like I said, it's not the first time he's pulled this. Like this is this dude's thing. He goes and starts shit with people, and you know I'm gonna give him the same advice I gave all the incels, the involuntary celibates. Um, fucking hit the gym, get a tan, do some bicep curls, um, get educated so you can get a good job and have some money, and all of those will get you a chick. And then don't act crazy. Now, you are very short, and if I'm being real, like, honestly, any man under six feet tall should probably, you should you should just off yourself right now. I mean, it's not even worth living. I mean, I know as a six-foot-three former Air Commando jacked and tanned uh, that I don't really have those problems, so I can't really relate, but I can tell you, if you do some of the things I tell you to do, you vastly increase your chances with the ladies, so do it, guys. It's your last chance. You got to get some. Okay, well, uh, a woman was trying to shoot somebody in a road rage incident, but she accidentally shot her husband. Yes, that was in Alabama. And 6.45 p.m. on Saturday, the offender, Erica Cole, attempted to, like, lean out a window and shoot another driver, but accidentally shot her husband, Nicholas Cole, struck him in the head. Uh, he is in the ICU. He's still alive as of this podcast. So good job, idiot. Uh, many of you sent me this one too. A Philadelphia man 
and a neighborhood mob beat a carjacker to death after the suspect took off with a car with the guy's three kids in it. This is, yeah, this is like mob justice, dude. An unidentified 25-year-old woman. I'm Okay, I have the fact. Let me, let me get the facts right here. A 25-year-old woman was traveling with her three children when she stopped outside a pizza shop to visit her boyfriend who worked at the pizzeria. So she goes inside. She left the car running with her three children in it. So a 54-year-old man gets in the car and takes off. The boyfriend, who is the father of two of the children, chased the suspect on foot and was able to catch up to the car when it got stuck in traffic. So he pulled the suspect from the car, and a short foot chase ensued. And the boyfriend caught up to him. There was some sort of physical struggle. Other males from the neighborhood intervened and began punching and kicking the guy who took the vehicle. And uh, when emer- by the time emergency <laughs> emergency services didn't get there until an hour after the carjacking happened. So you know this is a shitty neighborhood. And he was already unconscious. He was taken to Temple University, and he was pronounced dead. Okay, well, good. I guess, guess he's not going to carjack any more cars. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not above a little mob justice at all. Uh, The Dow Jones financial news has jumped to an all-time high. That's crazy. And the S&P notched its first close above 3,000 points. The major indices, the Dow Jones, the NASDAQ, and the S&P 500, all passed multiple milestones and posted solid gains this week amid testimony from the top Federal Reserve official, signaling that a rate cut was coming. The Dow has now closed above 27,000 points for the first time. And Friday's gain brought its increase on the week to 1.5%. So it's still still chugging along. Everybody keeps saying this this can't last, this can't last, but it's still going along. So um, I'm all about it. I can use the money. This one happened out here in San Diego. This was wild. Uh, two men died and two teen girls were badly hurt when they jumped off a freeway overpass following a minor crash in Carmel Valley. It's here in San Diego. And when they jumped off the freeway overpass, the cops think they didn't know there was like a 70-foot drop into a canyon. So two people died and they still have two teenage girls in the hospital with severe injuries on that. And this was Wednesday, and they said there was uh, there were six people in a Nissan Altima when the car spun out and hit a barrier. And then at least four of the people were trying to avoid getting hit by another car when they ran across the lanes, hopping off the bridge over a short wall, and they didn't even fucking bother to look what was on the other side. And it's a 70-foot drop. Holy shit. And I want to know more about this story because they're saying the two men who died were maybe in their early 20s, and these two teenage girls were 14 and 15. So what's going on there? And why would you run out of the car? Like, my first my first guess, I was like, are these illegal immigrants, like, running because they don't want to get stopped by the cops? That was the first thing I thought of, but it does not say. Uh, Governor Gavin Newsom is very broken up about this. A man who was twice sentenced to death for killing a Garden Grove police officer nearly 40 years ago died of old age at San Quentin State Prison. Yep. John Brown, 71, was found unconscious in his cell, and he was pronounced dead 
Uh, recall that Governor Gavin Newsom has put a moratorium on all death penalties in California, even though the public overwhelmingly voted to keep the death penalty in just the last election. So we like to acknowledge the horrific crimes the death row inmates here perform, since our worthless media out here just seeks to obfuscate their atrocities. Uh, Brown was convicted of shooting and killing Officer Donald Reed, 27 years old, in a Garden Grove bar on June 7, 1980. As Reed and three other officers tried to arrest Brown on drug and assault warrants. And that shooting wounded four other people, two officers and two bar patrons. He was found guilty of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to death in 1982! <laughs> 1982 82 oh, I'm doing the math in my I'm doing the math in my head right now that's like 37 years on death row for yeah it is nearly 40 years you know how many people have been sentenced to death in California since 1978 850 and of course since 1978, we've only had actually 13 inmates get their lawfully mandated justice of execution and have been executed. So since 1978, only 80 people, only 13 inmates. Uh, right now on death row, we have 734 inmates. That is the nation's largest death row. And no sign that any justice will be coming to any of those families whose uh, family members were brutally murdered, raped, mutilated. Uh, nobody cares about them, though, right? Nobody gives a shit. Uh, the VA is going to be smoke-free, finally. The last hospital in America. That's <laughs> so funny, dude. Yeah, smoking ban is set to go into effect at the VA at all health care facilities across the country starting October one. That is more than 25 years after such bans became the norm at other American hospitals. Now, critically, this smoke-free policy applies to patients, visitors, volunteers, contractors, and vendors. However, it does not apply to employees. Hmm. Um, now, smoking, in case you're wondering, it's remained permissible there because of the Veterans Health Care Act of 1992, a federal mandate required the VA to establish designated smoking areas. When other hospitals began to implement smoking bans, the Veterans Health Care Act was cited as a reason the VA could not do the same. Hmm. But yeah, employees, employees still have a green, the employees can still smoke. You just can't as a patient. Yeah, good luck enforcing that. With a crust, bunch of crusty old veterans who are like, you know, they're on their diabetes medication anyway. They don't give a shit. They're going to be smoking up a storm. <clears throat> All right, quickly, starting to come down to it. So I'm just going to go through some quick headlines. A 41-year-old Louisiana man was arrested after his wife walks in on him raping a 9-year-old girl he was looking after. When he was confronted by his wife... This is in Louisiana. He fled the home in his pickup truck. <laughs> Jeez. They don't, they say raping. They just say, and then the rest of the story says a sexual act. He was arrested and booked into county jail. Oh, uh, this, did you see the notorious Oakland real estate developer guy and Trump supporter who? He dressed up as a Santa's elf and showed up at a homeless camp in Oakland because he wanted to pay the residents to leave. 
So his idea was to use a leaf blower to shoot $1,000 in dollar bills and pay anyone willing to leave the site by 8 p.m. $2,000. Well, he went there and he did it, but nobody would take his money. And of course, there's a bunch of protesters who forced him to walk home by blocking his vehicle. Yeah, they don't, I, you gotta love the homeless activists. They don't care about the filthy vagrant camp. That they don't protest. <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures right now. They have a bunch of, there's, they're all white liberals, of course. And they're holding signs that say, defend the displaced. Do you, oh, by the way, quickly, you guys know in California, I've told you about the woke term for homeless has uh, been unsheltered now. Well, um, now they've one-upped themselves. They have an even more woke term than that. And they call them P-E-H, Persons Experiencing Homelessness. You see, because it's a temporary condition, BK, it's not a lifetime condition. One isn't homeless. That doesn't mean the rest of your life. You're just temporarily experiencing homelessness. Hmm. Uh, Doc Gooden, the legendary Mets pitcher, was arrested in New Jersey last month for cocaine possession and driving under the influence. <laughs> He's 54 years old. Doc Gooden famously was doing lots of cocaine throughout his playing career, and it sounds like uh, he never really got over it, so it's too bad. Bunch of you guys sent me this one, too. A suspect's hiding spot was given away when a bout of flatulence revealed his hiding place to police. That's right, and they did put this out on Facebook. Law enforcement officer, officers in Missouri caught a hidden man wanted for possession of a controlled substance when he loudly farted. So the Clay County Sheriff's Office wrote in a Facebook post, quote, if you've got a felony warrant for your arrest, the cops are looking for you, and you pass gas so loud it gives up your hiding spot, you're definitely having a poop emoji day. Hashtag it happened. All right, they got him. Good job, boys. Did I have any more audio clips that I really wanted to get to? Um, I'll get to that. Well, I did want to tweet this. I, I tweeted this one out, too. Did you see this, this guy in Arizona? He's accused of fatally stabbing a 17-year-old black kid in the throat at an Arizona convenience store. And he said he felt threatened because the teen had been listening to rap music. This is near Peoria, Arizona. And this man, who's been identified as Michael Adams, 27, he walked up behind this teenager, grabbed him, and stabbed him in the neck. Ugh. Family members said that the teen named Elijah Al-Amin had gotten off work at 11.30 on Wednesday and had spent some time with his girlfriend before stopping at the store. I believe it was a 7-Eleven. And uh, witnesses tried to help by applying direct pressure, but uh, it was sadly too late. The witnesses said he hadn't done or said anything, and that Adams didn't say anything to the teen. He just walked right up and stabbed him in the neck and cut his throat kid probably never even knew what happened i'm telling you man keep your freaking head on a swivel people you don't know you don't know what else do i got here <laughs> i still have a bunch of political ones but that's too much for me did you see this social media summit where the journalists challenged the social media people that trump invited the white house to fight now so here's a clip this is the journalist brian Karam from Playboy magazine. I guess he's a White House journalist of some kind. And he starts shouting at them and they kind of get into it, including Seb Gorka. So let's hear how this goes. Don't be sad. 
be sad. No, I'm just standing I'm around. This is a group of people that are eager for demonic possession. Demonic possession. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a journalist, right? That's right. Hey, come on over here and talk to me, brother. We can go outside and have a long conversation. You're threatening me now in the White House. You're threatening me in the White Get him. You are a punk. You're not a journalist. You're a punk. Go home. Go home. Hey, Gorka, get a job. Hey, just for the record, he'd kick your punk ass. All right. Uh, I, I, you know, I never really got into who Seb Gorka is. I, he's not like he's a weird. And what's up with a journalist who's quite pudgy? And paunchy and old, challenging somebody to a fight. That's so weird to me. Like, dude, you fucking get your ass kicked. I mean, both of them would probably just roll around on the ground, to be honest with you. Okay, and uh, scientists have discovered a radiation leak to 100,000 times normal levels from a Russian nuclear sub wreck. So that's great news. Uh, this is not the, that's not the sub that had the accident, as I covered last week. This is an old sub wreck. This Russian nuke sub sank in the Arctic waters in 1989 off Norway's Bear Island following a fire on board. This actually resulted in a loss of life of 42 of the 69 crewmen on board. So it's resting at a depth of 5,577 feet, and the sub's nuclear reactor and two nuke warheads are still on board. Well, scientists are now recently recording radiation at the wreck site 100,000 times the normal level for the Norwegian Sea, so that's great. We're just destroying the ocean, aren't we? I'm telling you guys, okay, no more whaling, no more fishing. I don't care if you're a fisherman. Uh, the only fishing you can do is uh, rod and reel, okay? No more of the commercial fishing. We're just destroying the ocean left and right. That's it. I've had it. I know this is, this is where I'm a big uh, lefty this is when it comes to the ocean. Uh, a Cambridgeshire man in the UK was handed a suspended prison sentence after he admitted to possessing bestiality porn and making indecent images of children. God. James Lansfield made almost 300,000 images, I'm sorry, 300 indecent images of children and possessed more than 100 images of bestiality porn. How do you not go to a suspended sentence? What is that? What is going on in the UK? There seems to be a real big tolerance for like bestiality in there. Yeah, something suspicious there. Um, a Florida father, strap yourself in for this one, 31 years old. Ugh, this is tough to even read. He filmed himself raping his own screaming one-year-old daughter before uploading it to the dark web for others to view. He has been now sentenced to 70 years behind bars. Did you know you can't give the death penalty for sex crimes? Like, it has to, yeah. I, 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 I'm I, a little fudgy on the details, but I remember reading that this was a case where, like, I think the Supreme Court said you can't give the death penalty at all. For unless, you know, you kill somebody. So I never understood that. Like, why can't we give this guy the death penalty? This is so depraved and disturbing. He produced this fucking piece of shit. A four-video series of himself violating his daughter. And then he posted the clips to the dark web forum where others could look at it. My God. Uh, I don't even like what goes on. What what happens to your brain when that happens? 
Um, in Florida, a 66-year-old Florida woman is facing felony charges after police say she was caught on video adding saliva and mucus to ice cream, as well as urinating in the churning buckets the shop uses to make frozen treats. <laughs> this is Jung Soon Wapcha, facing charges of criminal mischief and tampering with consumer products after she was allegedly recorded on at least five occasions. And uh, so she and her husband run this convenience store that is connected to the ice cream shop by a shared bathroom, right? And the owner of the ice cream shop thinks that she was getting jealous that he was being successful because they shared a parking lot. So surveillance captured her on a bunch of times that where she uh, rubs her hands all over the containers and video from another angle showed her spitting into ice cream containers as well as picking her nose and putting her hand in the ice cream. And then five days later, they allegedly urinated, uh, they caught her urinating into the mixing buckets used to churn the homemade ice cream. Gross, dude. So you got some old Asian mucus in your fucking ice cream if you went to that. Uh, too much. How much more time? Um, you know, I, is there anything good? Okay, I've avoided the women's soccer thing, the team too. You know, I thought they got, you know what? It, it occurred to me that if these women acting the way they were, if they were like, you know, say young male African-American athletes, they would have been crucified as being like a bunch of cocky shitheads. Uh, listen to this clip. How about this? As kids, as wife, and lock your fucking doors because we got the key to the motherfucking city and I'm coming for all y'all bitches. Yeah, she's coming for all you bitches. Like, imagine like Tom Brady saying that, or any other male pro athlete. You know, I, let me put something. I don't give. I don't give a shit about women's soccer. I don't care for women's sports in general. I will watch usually an international competition, but they were so off-putting to me. I didn't hope they lose or anything. I always hope America wins, but I didn't want to have anything to do with them. And. Uh, this this one was pretty funny too. Just quickly, right wing watch on Twitter. They had a, hand, a handful of right-wing activists were in Chappaqua filing criminal complaints with the local police department demanding the arrest of Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I got a little video. So. All of us right here in this group are, are veterans. Okay. And we swore an oath to defend the Constitution against domestic enemies. Understood. And so she was our public servant you know, at one time, and uh, she wasn't held accountable. So now we were looking to hold her accountable in years of lawful officer. Uh, you know, you uh, took an oath to uphold justice, uphold uh, the law, and so these are swamp signed and uh, notarized. Okay. So okay. I will take these and I'll the <laughs> So it's a bunch of guys in cowboy hats in the police station, and they're demanding that they go arrest Hillary Clinton. That's great. God, I dude, I say it all the time on Twitter. I love living in this time. I do. I really do. It could have been so much worse. I could have been born, like, in the year 700. Uh, okay, what else do I have? Quickly. A, uh, a man in... Does it have where this one was? Where's Flagler County? Again, they don't put where it is. I don't know where Flagler County is. I'm sorry. I don't have my counties down. Uh, oh, this looks like Florida. Okay. Uh, this man had stashed cocaine, heroin, and other drugs in his anus during a traffic stop and kept them lodged there. <laughs> they finally, they didn't even know they were going to book him into jail before finally the guy, he didn't want to 
keister the drugs anymore, so he requested a pair of latex gloves, and then he removed all the uh, all the drugs out of his anus. I'm t- I told you guys this before. If I'm a cop, if I suspect the guy has drugs in his anus, I'm just playing dumb. I'm going to drop him off at booking and say, yeah, he's uh, arrested him for this, 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 and this, and uh, you know, and then I'm and then I'm just going to leave. I don't know how the cop thing works. Like, I'd be like, well, yeah, I checked him. I didn't check his body cavity. There's no way in hell I'd ever perform a body cavity check. It's so gross. A British Columbia woman, you Canadians, was sentenced to four, 14 months behind bars. This is a 48-year-old woman. She shared pictures of her grandchildren online to a stranger, saying that she would enjoy secretly watching him abuse them. What is this? She's a grandmother, dude. She used to be an elementary school assistant. And she created an account on a website. And she took part in explicit sexual conversations with a stranger with the username Daddy669 on topics such as child abuse, bestiality, and sexual assaults. He, she said to this stranger that she had three granddaughters aged five, six, and seven years old, and then she sent him photos, and he said he'd love to train the children, and she said she would enjoy secretly watching them be abused. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, so she was uh, arrested, and she said she was turned on by the chat, so we got her sexually. God, what a creepy grandma, dude. Um, in Malawi... Lest you think banging animals is just North America. It's not. Uh, police in Ma- uh, Malawi have arrested a 56-year-old man for having sex with a pig. That's right. He was seen through a bathroom window by a neighbor who was taking a shower. <laughs> Imagine looking at your shower and you see your neighbor balls deep in a pig. Oh, man. It's everywhere. Oh, you know the K-pop sensation, Korean pop music? Beware of any man, grown man, going to one of these. And in, I believe this is somewhere in Malaysia, the K-pop girl group Momoland were performing. And they got reports of a man masturbating during the concert. So they, a male audience member had been pleasuring himself during the group's concert. I'm sorry, the story's out of Malaysia, but the concert was actually in Mexico. I see. Sorry, this is written. It's a, you can tell it's a translated, so things are like kind of backwards. And the tweet added that rowdy men in the crowd were screaming sexual things at the girls throughout the event. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then the guy just starts tugging away right there in the concert. That takes some takes a little bit of balls, doesn't it? Um, okay. And, uh, finally, uh, not finally, I'm sorry, guys, I'm just scrolling through really quick, making sure I don't miss anything here. This one's funny though. A Tulsa area music teacher faces multiple charges after chatting on social media with a person he believed to be a young girl. Authorities arrested 35 year old Dr. Carl Spath on two counts of indecent exposure, engaging in sexual communications with a minor, et cetera, et cetera. They, Alleged that he used social media to talk with a person he believed was a 14-year-old girl. And blow your fucking mind here. The person was actually not a 14-year-old girl, but it was an undercover officer. And 
According to police, he asked about the decoy's age, and he she, he told the fictitious 14-year-old, wow, that's cool, but I'm 35, so that's a bit different. Age gaps are hot. Oh, boy. He bugged, bugged up that one, man. And finally, during the MLB had their All-Star weekend, their game, and as they do in these things, they ran a couple sex stings, and they arrested 50 men. <laughs> 50 men, dude. Uh, most of them were... Uh, Half of the guys were arrested on like just simple prostitution, which is a misdemeanor, and then the other half were arrested on underage, which is a felony, of course. So that was no good. And finally, no jail. Here's our big finish. You guys, you ready for this one? I, I keep telling you, I don't think they take these crimes seriously, but a Florida man who twice placed his bodily fluids in the water mug of a female co-worker got off this week with a slap on the wrist when he was sentenced for his vile conduct. Robert Tyson, 63 years old, was placed on probation. That's right. And he was arrested last year. He worked at a dermatology clinic. According to investigators, yes, Tyson placed semen in a water mug used by the victim who, yes, sadly, consumed some of the taste tainted liquid. Oh, God. I just want to throw up reading that. And then a woman told police that as she was drinking from the mug, she became aware of a distinct taste and smell and observed a white-colored mucus substance floating atop the water. Oh, God. You're gross, dude. Uh he did send a confession to the firm's HR manager. Uh, he said that he was repulsed at the thought of my action. So he repulsed himself, and he added that, quote, I put a couple of drops of semen in her water. Yes, semen. Why semen? Why put anything in there at all? I do not know. I just do not know. And... He blamed his actions on exhaustion. Speaking of exhaustion, you guys, that's it. I'm tapped out. <laughs> the voice has got me. That's two and a half hours straight through. Sick. I'm the walking wounded here. Nobody else is doing it. Nobody else has the intellect to pull it off. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Go to Instagram. Follow me there at BK Actual. Go to Patreon. Make a donation. Help keep the podcast going. Look for BK Actual on Patreon.com. That is it for me, you guys. I'll see you next week. Oh,